We are sitting in the cinema right now with the one, the only, the esteemed snug man of the year, Noah Groves. Hello, Noah. Hello. You are about to see Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker for the first time. How are you feeling right now? Uh, very low expectations. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Um, you can buy beer now at the cinema. Yeah, maybe we need it. We are, we're a bit dirty because they wouldn't give us cold water out of the machine, so no, I had to get a bottle and good old Glenorchy cinemas. Um, give me three hopes for this movie. Go. Um, Luke Skywalker, not dead. Porks. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, lots of somehow Carrie Fisher, but I don't know how that's going to work. I, I appreciate the fact that Porgs is in that top three, <laughs> so that's great. Um, well, we're about to see this for the first time. You know, Colin and I have seen this, and you're going to enjoy this spoiler episode. So let's watch this movie, let's play some music, and let's get a final word for Noah Groves. Uh, may the force be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for our number 130, I think, of our Star Wars 1999-2019. It's been going since 1999, people. 20 years of recaps, 20 years of reviews and trailer reactions. Oh, has it been that long? <laughs> but we're finally here, bringing it to a close in our second Rise of Skywalker review. The first one was spoiler-free. This one is going to be filled with spoilers, filled with anger, filled with hate. <laughs> All the things that the Sith love. And uh, I guess this is technically also going to be our last uh, original episode of 2019 as well. Last original episode of the decade. You've got us really heated for this one. <laughs> We're going to jump right into it uh, we finally get to talk about The Rise of Skywalker and all the plot twists and all the garbage and maybe a little bit of good stuff in there too. My name is Colin and the dark side of the force is a pathway to many plot twists some consider to be unnecessary. <laughs> and considering we can just make up any name we like when we meet an old lady in the desert, my name is Kylo Binks. <laughs> Um, so, Mr. Binks, uh, <laughs> this is what it's come to. Uh, first, let's just say, if you haven't heard our spoiler-free review... Um, Han Solo dies! Oh, sorry. Oh, again? <laughs> no, he's back, along with everybody oh, sorry. else. Cause... Han Solo returns! <laughs> Nobody dies anymore in Star Wars? That's the new twist. Um, Except uh, for look, the well, I'm just going to say... Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no force power is going to bring this franchise back. Uh, let's just start by saying, I mean, uh, summarizing what I said in the, the first review, I did enjoy this. Like, there's not one minute of this movie that it's boring, but uh, it's just every decision they made as far as the story goes was just wrong, I feel, and the best way to sum this up is that it was it was falsely promoted. They, they kept saying, this is going to be the movie that ties everything together. And really my feelings, even after watching this a second time now, is that the movie still only serves itself. It's like it, it disregards not just The Last Jedi. It disregards Force Awakens. It disregards the original trilogy. It disregards the prequels. Um, it gives 
lots of connections to Fortnite and comic books that are still to come, uh, which is how they're going to explain every single plot twist in this movie. Uh, not a boring movie, but just I, I feel completely unnecessary, and I, I'm going to have a lot of fun ripping apart all these stupid twists they have in this movie and really just the entire third act. I mean, I, I saw it a second time, and I think I said to, to you and Noah, uh, I think it improves the second time for the first two-thirds of the movie. It's a lot more enjoyable when you know what you're about to be disappointed by. <laughs> but then that whole last third of the movie, like everything post-Endor just completely falls apart for me. And I don't know if your feelings watching this a second time, has anything improved for you? Anything made worse? Um, It definitely gets better. And I know we kind of said that with The Last Jedi, but I feel that I didn't walk out of this one maybe as... I don't, I don't know, I'm obviously not confused, but I, I definitely feel, this is very entertaining, this film, but yeah, everything you said I agree with, I think kind of, there's still so many issues, and it was interesting, because we should mention that Noah was meant to be here with us, uh, but he's not. Uh, <laughs> and he's, Even like, though Ben paid for his admission, <laughs> I paid for nice his move there, Groves. Ticket and everything, cheap date, doesn't even put out. Um <laughs> But, so I got to see this with Noah, and it was very interesting seeing, like, his reaction for the first time, which you'll hear from at the end of this episode. But, um, you know, it's 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 still mixed feelings when you see it, because I, I definitely walked out of the cinema going, oh, yeah, that was, that was a lot better the second time around. But then again, on reflection, on a few days later, on sort of, you know, listening to our conversations and lo- looking at some other videos online and, and looking at some other people's opinions, you just, you hit with all these things of like, oh yeah, like that's true. Or, oh, I thought of a new thing. Like, and you all of a sudden click in your head like, mm-hmm. oh, this happened and that happened. And it's just, I don't want to feel this way watching a Star Wars movie because yeah. particularly when this is the, not only the, you know, the final chapter in this trilogy, but the supposed final chapter in all nine films, we should be sitting here celebrating this franchise. We should be sitting here celebrating everything about it. You know, we, we had that earlier this year with Avengers Endgame, and I'm not into MCU as much as I am Star Wars, but I think for the most part, we pretty much left Endgame as, okay, yep, yep, that's pretty good satisfactory mm-hmm. way to end it. Let's look to the next chapter. We're not doing that here. <laughs> We're like, oh, there's this mm-hmm. wrong, there's that wrong. I don't want to play Fortnite. I don't want to buy the comic. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even buy the visual dictionary yet, which I always buy. And every single time I go into a bookshop, oh, it's been delayed. Oh, it's been delayed. They can't even get a book release right, Disney. Jesus. <laughs> uh, and they couldn't write an ending to this movie. Like, I think that's my biggest problem with this is that the, the entire ending almost contradicts every Star Wars movie that comes before this. And uh, I have found that, you know, just seeing different people's reactions, reading different people's reactions, it seems like. The initial response that seemed to be out there was, if you're a diehard Star Wars fan, you'll love this movie. But if you're a casual fan, you're probably not going to like it. And I found it's actually quite the opposite. I, I, it seems like a lot of people who aren't as invested in Star Wars are like, wow, that was really good. Because, again, it is entertaining. But it's the people who are tied to these movies from beginning to end, you know, who who are trying to look back and are looking for what they promised, which was we're going to tie all nine of these together. There's just such a letdown. And... It's so clear. We'll talk, I guess, mostly about the main twist, which may be the dumbest twist I've seen in a long time, uh, which is, spoiler time, if you haven't tuned out yet, uh, Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter. What? Didn't see that coming for a good reason, because it makes no sense, and it's really stupid. Uh, There's so many problems with this, and 
just in terms of how this doesn't tie to the previous movies, I mean, Palpatine has come out of nowhere in this movie. And we talked about in the the spoiler-free episode that they don't even bother to explain how he's there. They actually give you two theories and don't even say which one it is. And it's a throwaway line. It's like, how is he alive? I don't know, dark magic, cloning. (laughs) Then they don't answer that. And, And to make it worse, they even say the line, cloning, technology only the Sith knew. Wait a second, the Kaminoans were not Sith? And in fact, it was a Jedi in the previous movies who found the cloners and ordered the army, and it was only Palpatine that stole it from them. So, like, how is that technology only the Sith have? And they can't even commit to explaining that, and yet I'm finding a lot of the same things I, I found with The Last Jedi. Is you watch the movie, and you're like, okay, this isn't the direction that I think the story should have taken, but if you're going to take it this direction, here's a way you make it work. And I find it so hard to make Palpatine being Ray's granddaughter. No, Ray being Palpatine's granddaughter. In some ways, Palpatine being Ray's granddaughter might have made more sense. But I find it so hard to actually have that make any sense because the visual you are left with, and this is the complaint that almost the entire car ride home as I was dropping my nephews, they were debating with me. It's like, sure, it makes sense. He had a kid. I'm like, okay, so why was it never mentioned before? Why would he have a kid? If you look at the kid he had, Ray's father, he looks like 25, maybe 30 tops in the flashback of this movie, which would have placed him being born somewhere around the time of A New Hope. And, like, he just decided when he was this frail, withered old man with a cane, he finally wants to get it on with somebody and and, and procreate. And, like, it doesn't make any sense. And yet, we, we had sort of thrown around some ideas and Noah said the exact same thing that I was thinking is like, if you want to tie all these movies together, why aren't you making this about creating life through the Force? Which is what Revenge of the Sith said. Anakin and Palpatine joined together, like, together we can discover the secret. So make that the story. Make it that Rey was born out of that. Or make it that Palpatine and Anakin did somehow manage to create life, but it produced some nobody guy who had no force abilities, so they disowned him. But then he had a child naturally on his own. And that kid, it's just, there, there are ways you could have made this better, but I just feel the biggest problem is it's unnecessary. Like, why does everybody have to be related to somebody in these movies? It's just, this is the perfect example of fan service does not work, because that's the number one term that's being thrown around is fan service. And this proved that you don't give the fans everything they want, because the fans are like, oh, we want Ray to be somebody important. It doesn't work. It worked better when Ray was a nobody, because that's what Jedi are. And I'm ranting a little bit here, but it's just getting out all my frustration <laughs> for the last week and a Been half. Been two weeks. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, my brother hasn't seen this movie yet, but I was sort of saying like, oh, yeah, well, they 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 at least give Ray, you know, oh, she has some type of importance. And his first response was like, why did Jedi have to have importance? Why did Jedi have to belong to some bloodline? The whole point of Jedi is that they they don't have children, they don't have families, so therefore no Jedi bloodline should ever exist. And now every Jedi apparently had every ch- a child, and every Sith had a child. It's just oh, it's just stupid. This is why, and I don't know if you've watched the final episode of The Mandalorian yet. Um, no. Okay. Well, I won't say anything. But all I'll say about The Mandalorian is that this is why that is by far the best thing Disney has done. Because the way that all has come to a point in eight episodes just is, is so good. It like it just expands on Star Wars but creates a new story without having to always be connected to a, a Palpatine or a Skywalker or something like that. Like it it works so well. 
and yeah, like I, I can't disagree with anything you were saying then. And the way this movie starts, like literally the first line in the crawl is "The dead are alive." Um, <laughs> it reminded me so much of Spectre. Um, but like, yeah, and but then because it gets so quickly into it. And we're straight away with Palpatine, what, within, like, three minutes of the opening of this movie? There he is. There's no build-up. There's no anything. Like, they've just completely blown their wad with everything. They did it, I guess, in the first trailer with the whole, you know, laugh. But, you know, like, that would have... They should have kept that laugh for the last trailer at the very last end, going, what? Was that Palpatine? And then all of a sudden he shows up halfway through the movie. I don't know. Because I, I... I the second time around I noticed the snoke heads. I never noticed the mm-hmm. snoke heads the first time around. Um but cuz doesn't like in the very first bit he's talking about that real brief explanation about how he's alive and he kind of alludes to like yeah the dark side is you know the path to many unnatural abilities and I'm automatically thinking like oh my god we're going to get a um a, a throwback to Revenge of the Sith, like when he's explaining to Anakin about sort yeah. of life being, you know, being able. And I thought, like, again, there's a, there's a, an ability to throw a couple of lines in there, saying like, "I was the one who learnt this ability." You know, Anakin was unable to learn it, but I mastered it, and somehow I survived. I don't know, like, literally a couple of lines explain it better than I don't know. The dark side works mysterious ways. That's how I survived. Um, because why does he have a giant crowd living underneath? Yeah. His- Temple, and he's and what does like? Did we? I think we talked about in Return of the Jedi uh, about what does what does Palpatine do sitting around in his throne when he's by himself, or what what did Snoke do in the Last Jedi when he's just by himself? What's Palpatine being doing for the last thirty one years, chilling underneath <laughs> his thing? It's like I'm bored. Tell me a story. Like I like he's been building star destroyers apparently, and there's like thousands of them. Where does he get the crew for them? <laughs> like. <laughs> oh god, all the plot holes. But yeah, like I yeah. think um yeah, you you and Noah's discussion and Noah kind of brought this up straight away after he'd been seeing it about how create this storyline about how, you know, I impregnated Shmi. Bring up Shmi. We want to hear about Shmi again. Um, you know, and Anakin failed. He wasn't the one, so I tried again with Ray or something like like that's all you need. People would be fine with that because you worked out the timeline, didn't you? I know you just kind of mentioned it, but I think we had a conversation about a week or so ago that Palps would have had to have sex with someone in that <laughs> period of Revenge of the Sith, Return of the uh, new, new Hope. He's all wrinkly and old and gross. Um, I mean, I guess he is the Emperor. Um, Me Too wasn't around in Star Wars Galaxy back then. <laughs> I don't know how it would have worked. But okay, and here's the other question which I'm confused about. Which one's his child, Ray's mother or son? I think it's the son. Okay, cool. Good for him. But who is he? Like, this is the <laughs> exactly. son of the emperor. Like, this, this skipped a whole generation. It's like, imagine if Darth Vader's face, I know, I am your grandfather. Like, okay, who's the father? <laughs> like, it's just, it's, and I don't, like, if people are like, oh, well, they're going to explain this in the novel. They're going to explain this in Fortnite. <laughs> okay. You've got a expanded universe. I understand it, but George Lucas didn't write a New Hope and go, "Oh, it's all right. We'll find out this story for another time." Like in it, like yeah. <laughs> people, some people don't read. I don't read. Okay, that's why I want a visual dictionary because I look at the pictures. <laughs> I don't go out of my way to read. Or some people don't do this, and we don't. I'm ranting already. See, I'm I'm losing the point. But yeah, like just this Palpatine stuff. I think. 
this goes on to my point. I know we kind of disagreed on this slightly in the spoiler one, a spoiler-free one, but Ryan Johnson again to me, like because this is like two or three movies in one, and if we had that second chapter where we were able to do a bit more of this, explain it. Noah made a good suggestion where it was like, well, bring up the fact that Palps is alive in the second one, just a mention. Yeah. Or bring him a big reveal at the end, then you've kind of got this third one to build on it because it is so rushed with Palpatine and we all mm-hmm. love Palpatine. He's amazing. But like, what do we feel about him in this movie? He just turns into Voldemort mixed with the Ugh. things at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark who melt at the end, who then does a sky beam from any movie in the last 10 years. Um, like, it's just a mixture of everything. And the whole point of this is the fact that Ray is a Palpatine. Okay, cool. Um, sure. Um, I mean, is it better than her being a Kenobi? If you're going to choose from one of those two? I don't know, because if she's at least she's a Kenobi, maybe we get some more Ewan McGregor in this movie. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I think after thinking about it and just kind of more and more, I've kind of gone over my opinion of it. I, I kind of think I am now firmly in that camp of have her as a nobody, but at yeah. least explain how she's able to feel the Force. Like, have her as a nobody, but then maybe just have it like all the Jedi voices are like, we've been watching you and we discovered that you had something about you. So we've been helping you. We've been giving our abilities to you, you know, like you got the abilities of Anakin's piloting skills and you know what I mean? Like have something like that. Cause okay. It sounds a bit campy or cheesy, but it's still better than, Oh, guess what? She's a Palpatine, everyone. Um, so yeah. And yeah, I was just gonna say, let me throw this out here again. If you're going to go the route of she's a Palpatine, make it that like I said earlier, Palpatine created this son yeah. through the Force. It wasn't him having sex with somebody because nobody wants that visual. Do it. Um, and then Ray comes to that. <laughs> Do it. Uh, now, Take your clues off. That. <laughs> if you're going to make it, like they did the twist of her being a Palpatine literally just for the sake of, we want a shock for the audience. We want to say she's somebody important. And then do nothing with it because it has no relevance to the end of the movie. Palpatine contradicts himself a thousand times in the final act because he keeps saying, you know, oh, you're a Palpatine. You will become the Empress. Strike me down and then I will enter you. And then he's like, no, I'm going to kill you, Ray, because you're a nobody. You're a scavenger. It just makes no sense. So if you want to go that route, which is the wrong, this is my last Jedi, uh, you know, critiquing here. If you want to take the wrong route with this story, make that Ray's conflict. Make it do I have a choice? Do I have to turn to the dark side? They kind of allude towards that and then do nothing with it. And then you make that the same thing that Kylo Ren's conflict world, which they actually did a good job throughout these movies. Like, is this my destiny because I am Darth Vader's grandson? Is this in my blood? That was kind of what Luke, you know, was all about, but it's just, it's not even there in the movie. And, and once they get to the end, it's just contradicted all over the place. And why does this become a fantasy movie on the end too? Like, Star Wars is supposed to be about battles. It's supposed to be about Jedi Knights. They just invent so many Force powers in this movie, which is a whole other argument that I'll get into later on, uh, so that the end of this movie is just sky beams of Force and life-draining powers of Force and life-giving powers of Force and, you know, seeing visions of Force and aging and de-aging. It's just, it has nothing to do with the, the character's actually doing anything it's just oh these are force powers it's just it's complete nonsense and unnecessary but going back to ray being a nobody now how do you make this work uh the biggest contradiction here 
is actually to Return of the Jedi, which is Anakin. Anakin is supposed to be the chosen one. Now, they even wrote an out for themselves there. I think that was George Lucas's plan of Revenge of the Sith. He's like, if I ever intend to do 7, 8, and 9, I can't have it where Anakin is the chosen one that brings balance to the Force. So he has that line in there where they're like, oh, isn't this what the prophecy says? And Yoda's like, it's a prophecy that could have been misread. And they're like, hmm, interesting. Mm. <laughs> uh, but they actually go the road of saying Anakin brought balance to the Force with a really cheap line here where Anakin, in his voiceover that we don't get to see him, says, Ray, bring balance to the Force just like I did. But you didn't! <laughs> <laughs> this movie, Palpatine lived, the dark side lived, Luke failed. Anakin did nothing. It, yeah. it cheapens the whole ending of Return of the Jedi to, to have that line in there. And the whole and you... six movies. Like, I think that was one of the yeah. big things that I really feel it does too, is that, because again, like, as you, you're alluding to, and as everyone knows about the first six parts, is it's the redemption and the, the, the whole tale of the rise and fall and the redemption of Anakin. And hmm. they're pointless now. They're absolutely pointless now when it comes to what they've done with these next three movies. Yeah, and, you know, the idea of metachlorians, people can debate it all they want, but it gave an idea of the Force that the Force is in control, not a bloodline, not a chosen one or anything like that. So if Rey is going to be a nobody, which I think is the right choice, you bring Anakin into the story, and you make it that, okay, he didn't bring balance before, but he brings balance now, that... By Anakin died. Let's let's go back to the Jedi dominated during you know everything pre Phantom Menace, and then the Sith came about again. And this is sort of what I I mentioned. I thought a great theory would have been that the Force itself needs to find a host. The dark side finds a host, which was Snoke or Kylo Ren. The light side, when Luke closed himself off, just found Rey, which is why she had all these abilities. Anakin entering the Force world. The, the reason we get. Anakin reappearing as a force ghost at the end is that he is the chosen one, but he's not the chosen one in the real world. He's the chosen one in the force world. So that when the force was out of balance again, it's Anakin, not a million Jedi voices, but Anakin that suddenly gives power to Rey. She's not the reincarnation of him. She's not possessed by him. She's nothing. He gives the power to her. So at the end, you don't you maybe you hear a million Jedi voices, but it's Anakin who reappears and says, Ray, I'm with you, and he's the one who helps her to beat him. So she still mm. is a nobody. Because where do you go from here? Now the force like what does it matter if Ray trades a bunch of new Jedi? She's the only one who's important. Just like, you know, you know, uh you would say Kylo Ren was the only one who's important, or Luke was the only one who's important. It's just make Anakin part of this story, and it's such a letdown that they actually address him being the chosen one of this movie and bring balance to the force and then contradict themselves because he brought no balance to the force. You can correct that by having him part of the final climax. Which, look, I read a lot of theories and things in the lead up and some of the changes and who knows what's true. I don't know if we're ever going to get a, you know, a total picture of what happened, but I did read one of these ones that there were scenes filmed with Hayden Christensen and they did could delete them they were in like the final 20 minutes of worth of footage that they ended up deleting last minute again don't know mm. if that's true or not um but no i think that's a, that's great that's a great way of having it because um you're right like where do you go from here um i don't care what disney or anyone says oh no this is it this is the end of the the skywalker saga you know we're going to create the knights of the old republic and we know in the next 10 to 15 to 20 years we're going to have episode 10 it's going to happen it will happen um and, yeah, where do you go from there? Because 
you know, now you've just got all of these Jedi inside a ray. Sounds a bit creepy, but um, yeah. but like that is right because I mean, the original trilogy sort of had this whole tale about how the Jedi were dead, but you know, that boy is our last hope. You know, no, there is another. Like he's Luke and Leia. Like I again, I understand these movies were made before the prequels, so that couldn't have been done. But I mean, who knows if George Lucas had this whole grand vision and thought about it? You know, it could have been this whole new thing about all oh, all the old Jedi are in you now, Luke. Like if that had been established in the past, that this is what happened fine but this is just out of nowhere um and it's just like everything in this movie (laughs) yeah and it's just it's just crazy i mean look you know we we can sit here and complain and say that we are disappointed we didn't get to see hayden and we are like let's be honest as much as we joke about it i i left that movie so sad that we did not get to see hayden christensen or these other ones sure a voice was fine like okay it's cool they've obviously gone and recorded new lines and it's kind of cool that you've got, you know, some of the animated ones in there at the same time. But, you know, like, have them appear at the end in the desert with Ray when you see mm-hmm. Luke and... Yeah. Because that's the thing that annoys me. And in a film called The Rise of Skywalker, their only emphasis on Skywalker is Luke and Leia. And and, and mm-hmm. Leia's never referred to as a Skywalker barely either. Like, I realise she's Luke's sister, but, I mean, it's generally Luke and Anakin that are the known Skywalkers. So where's Anakin's connection in this? Why why is there not sort of an ultimate redemption thing here for for Anakin and the Skywalker name? Because it started with him. It started with Shmi, so Shmi should be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like that final scene when there's the two lightsabers, there should be three. What? Why? Mm-hmm. Why does this whole thing around Luke's lightsaber? Why is it the blue lightsaber? That's Anakin's lightsaber. Where's Luke's green yeah. lightsaber? Yeah. Why is that not ever? reference there should be the three like you're gonna shoehorn layers lightsaber in here last minute that just ugh, why um uh yeah I, i'm i'm going on to a tangent onto a different topic now but it's just this is what well, happens when you want to start talking about this it's just like the movie it's all over the place but on that tangent you know we criticized the bringing back of carrie fisher uh in the spoiler free episode and just to again reiterate that I think there was a way you could have reintroduced her in the story. They just handled it all wrong. Some of the scenes early on were handled well in terms of incorporating her in, but it just progressively, as the story got heavier and heavier, she just was standing in the background giving meaningless lines. And when you finally have her big moment, it's it's not even Carrie Fisher. Like it suddenly becomes like I mentioned, you know, the Bruce Lee movie Game of Death, where uh, they just filmed it with extras, you know, in in hoods and stuff like that. And when that big scene comes, it's it's no lines of dialogue or anything. It's just somebody standing in for Carrie Fisher from behind in a hood, laying down, and then being covered with a blanket for half the movie. Um, now, my biggest problem with the Carrie Fisher inclusion here is, again, it was the wrong choice. They should have made this for the end of the movie. I don't think they should have turned Kylo Ren two-thirds of the way through the movie. I think it should have been at the end. It should have been, how is Rey going to overcome the odds of both Palpatine and Kylo Ren? And then, finally, Princess Leia lays down, and she's able to speak one word to Kylo Ren. And that's the thing that finally gets through to him, just that one Mm. word. Or have Anakin appear there or something like that. But they waste it two-thirds of the way through the movie in a really poorly filmed scene. And then they tack on this thing of Leia training to become a Jedi. Now, talk about another uh, example of how you could have tied all these movies together. We have Princess Leia training to become a Jedi in really bad CGI. Oh, you know, the young Luke looks okay. The young Princess Leia looks 
animated. Anything like her. I, the, even this, the first yeah. time I'm like, is that meant to be late? And the second time when you know what it's meant to be, you're like, holy crap. That, how did they get that right in Rogue One? And here it just looked terrible. Yeah. And how did they get Luke looking halfway decent and Princess was, Leia looking like something completely, you know, unnatural? <laughs> that, that Luke one to me looked very much like the the face in the helmet when he chops off Darth yeah. Vader's helmet. That That's maybe how they could do it because they, I don't know. But yeah, like Luke looked okay, but no, Leia looked terrible. But like this was just a stupid excuse to get another lightsaber into the movie so they could sell another toy because there's no reason to have Leia's lightsaber there. Uh, you, you have Kylo Ren getting another lightsaber. Bring Luke's other lightsaber in then. But the idea of Leia training to become a Jedi, again, contradicts the other movies. Now, if you want to go that route, she decides in this movie, she gave up because she saw a vision of her son's death, and she gave up being a Jedi. So then what does Leia do after that? She starts the resistance to battle her own son's army. <laughs> which, which, this it's- is, yeah... And like, sorry to just interrupt, but it's, it's it's it is terrible because and this is the thing like on paper I'd like the sound of Leia training as a Jedi because you think about what we had in the original trilogy about no there is another and you know if he fails you know Leia's it bring this in in the Force Awakens like have this as kind yeah. of like something going on because it's all well and good to kind of say that oh we had this plan all this sort of stuff but. This is just one of these ones that is just lumped in there. And, okay, you can't really expand on it because Carrie Fisher's dead, so you can't film new things. But, like, this is a cool idea on paper that I would love to see because I think everybody would be pretty, you know, cool about Leia being a Jedi because you think about The Last Jedi when all of a sudden she's Mary Poppins and has Force powers. Like, all we've really had of her Force powers is kind of, you know, oh, she can hear Luke's voice and she can sense things, which, again, kind of is what Finn does. We'll get to that after. But... You know, expand on this. And this is, again, an issue with this film and an issue with this trilogy is let's introduce something brand new in the last part that you're never going to expand on or let's introduce something in the first part or a story for another time and never expand on and mm-hmm. constantly have these questions. Um, but, yeah, like, the, the toy aspect, yes, I mean, God, <laughs> the, I, I'm never usually one to buy into the, oh, they only did this for toys because if they can do, like, the Ewoks. The Ewoks were fine to me. Yeah, okay, sure, they want to sell toys, but to me, they kind of serve a purpose. Whereas, like, this movie, Leia's got a new lightsaber. Okay, oh, there's a yellow lightsaber. Okay, cool. There's red stormtroopers. Okay, there's a there's a new droid that's like a little vacuum cleaner. Okay. Um, like, it's just toy central, this movie. But, um, yeah. And the, I, does it still annoy you, too, that Carrie Fisher got star billing in this movie? Because I, yeah. I, that's is really frustrating to me. Like, oh, yeah. I feel so bad it's, for our new, our new three in this trilogy. Yeah, and like, it's, it's not a disrespect to Carrie Fisher. You know, she got her little tribute at the end of the, the previous movie. Carrie Fisher never read a script for this movie, okay? She is yeah. not she does not agree with the choices to give her top billing. A it's disrespectful to Carrie Fisher because that's not Carrie Fisher we're seeing in this movie, and B it takes away from the other actors. Um going back to, you know, just an idea of how you make this Princess Leia thing work because I got excited when we had the Mary Poppins scene in space the first time I saw it, and then it ends and you're like, wait, what did I just see? <laughs> but the idea of Leia using the Force is great, but not making her a Jedi. And if if they're going to write out why she quit being a Jedi, why is it that she saw her son's death? Mm. You could tie this to the original movies by Luke saying, you know what? Uh, we thought that we could train her as a Jedi, but the one thing that I know that the Jedi had right is that 
you can't have an attachment to your own family and serve the Jedi because you need to be selfless. And her attachment to this child that was going to be born prevented her. She could never give herself to the Jedi Order, so she gave up on that. Now you're tying together an idea from the original movies. And mm-hmm. you're not just throwing out she saw her son's death because that's contradicted by the fact that she goes to war with her son. <laughs> and actually, one thing that I was thinking about before when you were talking about um, Kyler, and I really like that idea of kind of Leia's death tying into that and he turns at the end. Because I agree, like, Kylo Ren does turn way too early in this movie. I, we all knew it was mm-hmm. going to happen, let's be honest. And we probably, in all fairness, knew Kylo Ren was going to die in this movie. But it does kind of happen because... As much as I still think this movie cheapens Kylo Ren's character overall, I think a second viewing, it kind of was not as bad, but it's still bad. And particularly, like, the last arc with him, like, that final battle, he just kind of feels there. And, like, even... Yeah, and even Noah was kind of like, oh, I thought he just got killed off in the most stupidest way. I didn't think he was going to come back. Um, one little bit, actually, that I just really... Because I'll forget this later. I really love the moment when he when he gets the lightsaber through the telekinesis. That's dumb. But, like, I like it when he oh. kind of does that little bow in front of the Knights of Ren. And then he just starts yeah. kicking their ass. That's cool. Um, the whole thing with Kylo Ren... The whole Force Awakens built up this connection to Darth Vader, like, I will finish what you started, Grandfather. So mm-hmm. this is another way, going back to the things that you were saying, have an Anakin appearance because it makes perfect sense because we just have to have, like, a little moment where he's kind of like, you know, you, like, I just have, like, I, you know, was wrong or, like, I discovered at the end I was wrong and, like, have him turn him good or something like that because the last we had of Darth Vader was he was good. There, there just still seems to be this logic in the, the Star Wars universe that, oh, he was nothing but evil. Okay, fair enough, he was a prick for a long time. But he got redeemed. So what we should know about Darth Vader now is that he's good and that that's where he comes in and, you know, stop focusing on my negatives, stop focusing on the badness of me. You know, come on, Kylo, I was good. You know, listen to your parents. You know, do this, do that. I was wrong. Um, have something like that because I feel that when next time we ever watch The Force Awakens and we've got all this, you know, cool little build-up of Kylo Ren talking to the helmet and all this sort of stuff. And even in The Last Jedi, when Snoke and that have that great conversation with Kylo Ren about, you know, like, oh, you know, you'll never be Darth Vader. And Rey says that too, doesn't she? So, mm-hmm. like, just... But that's just completely forgotten about in the third movie, isn't it? Like, it's just... It's just... Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> and I just got another idea. Oh, here we go. Going You're welcome, Disney. The- Redo the movie <laughs> quickly. The Oz Network here to fix it for you. <laughs> uh, you know, imagine this, J.J. Abrams. Uh, <laughs> the line about Emperor saying, I've been every voice in your head, you save that for later in the movie. You you have that revealed off-screen, not to Kylo Ren, and he spends this entire movie actually hearing... You have James Earl Jones. He could be hearing Vader's voice. And... He's in that final battle, and he's the one who's fighting Ray, not some stupid, you know, Harry Potter powered <laughs> beam in the sky emperor. Uh, and he keeps hearing throughout the entire movie Vader saying, "Finish what I started." And then at that last moment, you have Leia appear, mm-hmm. and she says one word to him. You actually have her appear. You have the technology to do it. Don't just have her say the name Ben, and then have this real poor edit. Where you're confused and said, well, did he just hear that? Or, like, what did she do? She appears before him and says, Ben. And that catches him off guard. And then he's stabbed, right? You have him stabbed there. 
and he's dying, and then you have Anakin appear, not Vader, Anakin for the first time appear, and he just says the words, finish what I started, and suddenly he's like, yeah. wait, finish what Anakin started, and he kills the Emperor, or because, he helps yeah. Rey kill the Emperor. Because I think, I think, you're absolutely right, because, again, this is where it cheapens Return of the Jedi, because that was the ultimate moment, wasn't it? When Vader's there and, and Emperor's, like, shocking Luke, you know, and the whole, no, no, and he throws him over the thing. Like, mm-hmm. that's just forgotten about. It's just, Anakin yep. and Darth Vader are basically completely forgotten about in this. And that's just what makes it so, uh, and one of the many reasons, it just makes it so frustrating to watch. And again, as you said at the very beginning about how this is so badly advertised, it ties everything in. And that's one thing that I disagreed with Noel. And I was like, oh, no, I thought it did a you know, fair, okay job with that. Like, the more and more I think about it, no, it doesn't. And like... We said this, I believe, in The Force Awakens, and I think we still continue to last Jedi, and we're the, maybe the biggest prequel defenders in the world, but I just feel like so much of the prequels are just forgotten about, because like there's so much thing that you can tie in and all, oh, but they used Samuel L. Jackson, and they did this, and they did that, but like you're still focusing too much on the original trilogy, which then was expanded upon because of the prequels and what they created to make this six-episode arc... And now you're just throwing it all away and just... Blah, 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 blah. And But in fairness, they forget about the original trilogy as well. True. Because, like I said, the whole idea about Anakin bringing balance to the Force and killing the Emperor, that's not really part of this movie. Uh, how about the Emperor coming back? Uh, so if he's cloned, how does he have memories of mm. everything that happened up until he died? So the only explanation is that he somehow survived that, which, again, is completely absurd. Who is uh, dead in Star Wars, Colin? Who Can we think yeah, of one Nobody dies! Padme. Let's, let's, yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> they literally just... The Force... That's not how the Force works. They, my sister, before she saw this movie, uh, she said to me one thing. She's like, all I want to know is they don't create... Because we we're saying, like, oh, you know, it, it you know, does some things better than The Last Jedi. It does some things worse. And she was like, all I want to know is that they don't keep creating new stupid force powers, do they? I'm like, actually, they kind of do. Like, Of all the things that J.J. Abrams tried to correct from Last Jedi, the one thing that really bothered me in Last Jedi, he made worse. So we're not just able to project ourselves across the galaxy. We now can physically interact with those environments. We can teleport a lightsaber from one person to another. We can restore life. We can drain life. It's just it's overload on all these stupid force powers that makes everybody so invincible. And most of the negative views I read you know, said the exact same thing, is that they stripped any type of stakes out of this movie. So you have no investment. This is what we were talking about in the spoiler-free. There is no stakes in the final climax. Because the Force can literally do anything now. It can bring anybody back to life. It can it, defeat anybody with new powers you just create all the time. And this is why I feel if they ever do make an episode 10, it's doomed to fail. Because there's no conflict anymore. There, there, there's no stakes. There's no struggle. The, the Force literally just does anything. And it's just made them beyond superheroes. Like, Isn't that the biggest complaint people try to have about Superman? It's like, well, he's just invincible. But... In this, like, they're beyond invincible. It's just, uh All the things they do with the Force, and I think that's the only thing that I really dislike. And I know that I haven't seen the episode yet, but I know that they, they introduce this in a way in uh, The Mandalorian, this, you know, two Force behind. being able to... Yeah, like, they're, three, they're, they're three probably the, the last two are probably the best of the whole series. Like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I watched the finale last night. It's brilliant. Anyway, sorry. 
but but like this idea of giving life okay if you want to do that subtly that's one thing but they do it constantly in this movie we didn't need her healing a snake in oh. the middle section of this movie another harry potter thing we, a snake yeah, yeah, there you go. More Harry Potter junk. Like, this is just a fantasy movie now. And you didn't need them healing or Ky- Kylo Ren or Ray healing Kylo Ren and then Kylo Ren healing Ray. It's Where did they learn this power? Like, it, Leia couldn't have known this. You know, maybe Luke did, but he, not at the point where he would have taught Leia. It's just, it's it, they just invent new things and it, it actually really cheated the whole end of this movie. If you had stripped all the absurd force powers out of this, you still have the issue with Leia not being a proper part of the story, you still have the issue of Palpatine's existence making no sense, of Rey being his granddaughter being completely idiotic, but you don't have these ridiculous over-the-top force powers that steal any tension you would have from the final act. And I think too, yeah, you're right, and you think about all the certain things of, you know, the force and Again, when, when the prequels were done and, you know, people were like, oh, this created plot holes to the original trilogy, but certain things kind of you can explain away. Like, you think about some of the force abilities you have in this one. So when Kylo Ren gets stabbed when they're fighting on the Death Star and she heals him, why didn't Obi-Wan do that to Qui-Gon when he got stabbed yeah. in episode <laughs> one? There's that. Um, like, just... This is, again, where you just need a throwaway line. Like, think One about line! Things. One line is all you need because... You think about, like, how Anakin turns to the dark side, and we have that great conversation with, with Palpatine and that, and kind of, you know, oh, this is what happened, and, you know, he, he learnt the abilities to bring back people to life, so Anakin thought about that. Never happened. Okay, we've just proven in this movie you can bring back people to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, where did that come from? Um, and then I, I read a theory about that. Well, you know, oh, the reason why Anakin didn't want to do that is because he didn't want to die to save Padme. I'm sorry, but Anakin was so in love with Padme, he probably would have done that, would he not? That was like, the whole he, point of the movie. <laughs> like, if he had of known that, oh, I will give my life to save Padme, he would have done that instead of turning evil. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's kind of, that's a dumb thing to kind of explain away. Because if you've got this force power now that you can bring people back to life and heal people and just all this sort of stuff. It's just dumb. Like, people thought, you know, oh, it was dumb. Why did Qui-Gon not turn into a ghost? They at least tried to semi-explain that in Revenge of the Sith, didn't film a scene, and then explain yeah. it in the Clone Wars. I mean, okay, I know I was complaining that they're bringing in extra media to explain things, but at least on paper they were going to explain that in Revenge of the Sith and what it got cut. Or they, You, you did explain why they didn't end up doing that scene, I think. So yeah. it was well, at least in the well, not script. to mention it. It's it's not fully explained, but they at least allude towards. Hey, there is an explanation for this. In this movie, there's no not even alluding towards. There's an explanation for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you talk about the fantasy element, like yes, like this, like you think we're joking about Harry Potter. That whole scene when Palps is like drawing life from Ray and oh. Kylo Ren, it looks like Voldemort with a wand, like pulling mm-hmm. them to Why are Ray and Kylo Ren not dead at that point? I don't know. And then the whole Skybeam thing, it happens for five seconds. And like, what is the point of it? Like, he's, oh, I can zap ships. And why doesn't he destroy all the. Re- 
Rebels ship in one go. And if he can do mm-hmm. that, why wasn't he doing that in Return of the Jedi instead of going, yes, look at your friends, you can yeah. strike me down. Like, if he's that fucking powerful, why does he need to create a clone army and f- create a fake war to, like, just stand at top of Naboo and go, yes, destroy all the planets. <laughs> and then let's create a thing which we haven't even mentioned yet, the power of the Death Star on a Star Destroyer. Oh. Oh, my God. And there's even the throwaway line in this movie of, we're here to correct the mistakes of Starkiller Base by making an even bigger shit version of it. Like, that makes no sense. <laughs> and technology, the, the, how quickly technology progresses in these movies, again, is yes. completely absurd. Uh, but it's really funny because after I saw this movie, I wasn't really giving away any spoilers, but I, I had to bite my tongue so hard at work the next day because people kept making jokes about stuff that actually turned out to be in this movie. We're like, oh, it's not like they're going to make, you know, uh, a million different Death Stars again, right? And I'm like, well, <laughs> and there are a million things like that. One of them was, believe it or not, it's like, uh, it's like, oh, well, uh, I'm sure they're not going to do something as stupid as like Reyes Palpatine's daughter. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's like. That that's the prophecy that J.J. Abrams thought he was giving fans what they wanted, which in part is don't listen to these stupid fans on the internet who are like, we need an explanation like this, we need this because they don't know how to tell stories, they don't know how to make a movie. You know, I, I, we're giving ideas out there, but that doesn't mean we know how to make a movie. You don't listen to fourteen-year-olds or forty-year-olds on the internet who have no movie experience on how to tell a story. And the best defenses I've heard over the last couple of weeks are all towards George Lucas. This is exactly what we said would happen. Who who knew that it would take, you know, J.J. Abrams screwing this up to to give this newfound love for G- George Lucas? But there's so many people who are saying, it's like, say what you will about the prequels, but he had a story that he told from beginning to mm-hmm. end. Yep. And he told his story, not exactly. change things because fans didn't like this or they didn't like this. Exactly. And this entire movie is just, let's give the fans what they want. Like, the big battle at the end... No explanation for how it happens. There's no explanation for how all those Star Destroyers exist, where they recruited all these people. And then they spent a year after The Last Jedi. This is one of the areas where I said in the last one, I kind of have a little bit more of an appreciation. Not an appreciation for, oh, The Last Jedi is better than I thought, but The Last Jedi at least had some subtlety. They had this idea of both of these orders are decimated, and that's what this movie should have been. It should have been the galaxy is lawless – Make that part of the movie. There has been no connection to society or how no government has affected them. Then you end The Last Jedi and you have a great idea where you have the First Order has been decimated. You have the Resistance has been decimated. And in this they continue sort of with the idea of the Resistance being decimated. But then all of a sudden 100,000 ships are recruited in one afternoon by Lando. How? And yeah, why was he yeah. doing this? He's part of the resistance. This movie explains Lando's presence of he's st- he's not fl- he always says this. Oh, my days of flying are behind me, but he's working for the resistance. So why is he not recruiting people for the last year? Yeah, and this is the thing. Like this isn't really a spoiler because I think this came in the second last episode of Mandalorian. But there's a great little conversation. There's a line um, from a character who is basically saying that, oh, the Empire the empire fell five years ago, but is the galaxy really in a better place now? There's still people dying, there's still yeah. this. You're like, little things like that, which is, that, that that intrigues me. Like, you and I talked a lot about during the prequels that people complain about the politics and all this sort of stuff, but it at least sets up a universe where it's explained why it's gone from one side to the other. There's one sequence in this movie when the Resistance are kind of getting ready to, you know, battle out. It's just... 
it's really cheap and it feels like one of those Saturday afternoon Hallmark, you know, oh, goodness, there's a terrorist and they're going to destroy the city. <gasps> Let's move on. It's like, literally like, we've received confirmation. Palpatine is alive. What? And we've got... <laughs> 12 hours before he destroys the galaxy. What? All right, let's get some people together and save the world. Okay, bye. Like, like yeah. the original trilogy. It's all about many bottom spies died getting us this information. Like, you feel there's some stakes at hand here. Or a new mm. hope, like what sets up Rogue One. The only reason we have Rogue One is based on a solitary conversation of, you know, rebellion spies got this. And, like, like things like that that at least create something where you're picturing it. Not just a couple of people going around the table going, oh, shit, we're going to die again. Better get everyone together. Okay, bye. And, like, <laughs> you're right with The Last Jedi because, again, say what you will about the movie being bad and Ryan Johnson and all this sort of stuff. And the thing, the positive things we were saying is that he at least tried something. Like, he at least went out of his way to do something a little bit differently, which, again, didn't really work, but at least he did something different. And, like, in that movie at the end, when it, that's when I think when we first saw it, when it's like, oh, we're going to put the word out and we're going to get the resistance, you know, any other ships yeah. to help us out. I think we all thought, oh, cool, like, Lando might show up or something like this. No, no one's here. Okay, cool, whatever. Like... <laughs> All of a sudden, every single ship in modern history is here at the end. Like, where yeah. was Wedge in the last... There he is. There's Wedge. Look at him looking all old and everything. Oh, no. A year ago, lol, sorry, busy. Uh, like, it's just stupid. And, like, there's uh, so many of them. So many of them. <laughs> and and, and like, going back to the idea of the, the Death Star power again, like... That's what I said. It may sound like I'm contradicting myself because I'm saying that the, the the overuse of force powers left us with no stakes in the climax. But it was the choice to not make that about the conflict of you know Ray and Kylo Ren and Palpatine that robbed it you know of the stakes. Instead, it's just all oh, the force powers will clear cure everything. But you can have this massive battle, and you don't need planet killing weapons because it is one shot of a star destroyer can destroy a planet but we don't need that we if you made it about the fact that we have no government we have no order the first order is about to become the final order or whatever and they can take over this movie should have been the first order decimated what is kylo ren gonna do why is he agreeing to work with the emperor because the emperor has they they mention that in this movie then drop it it should be. I don't have the power otherwise. So this is about how are you going to have the power? And in the end, it's uh, maybe if you'd set it up in a couple scenes earlier, it's all the people saying, "Listen, we got the word out, and without this, you know, without people joining together, you will all be under a new rule." But it's not even part of the movie. Like, who is ruling the galaxy in this? And and just another thing on the final order. Okay, the title we already said. The title of Rise of Skywalker is stupid. Um. It, now, the theory that was out there originally, which I think, you know, would have been quite smart, is that the Jedi will cease to be exist or cease to exist. And that's another thing that like was it the right choice to have Luke, you know, just as this depressed hermit saying, Oh, the Jedi need to die. No, but the idea could have been him saying, I realized when Kylo Ren turned that there were certain teachings of the Jedi that wouldn't fix this problem. So I've come here to find out what the Jedi was missing because the Jedi weren't this, like he even said, the Jedi helped, you know, create Darth Vader and Palpatine. Make it about the Jedi were lacking something and then this new order would rise up. You have this 
final order in this movie, how great a title would Star Wars The Final Order have been? Because it yeah. plays in two separate ways in this movie. It is about the final order, the Emperor's army, and then it's about the evolution of the Jedi into something else, which this movie drops completely. It was an interesting idea that Ryan Johnson introduced, handled poorly, but J.J. Abrams could have said, I'm going to take the ball and run with it. I'm going to take what Ryan Johnson did, and I'm going to make something more interesting out of it. And it's just not even part of this movie. Why is this all about, you know, oh, I am, or I have all of the Jedi in me. The Jedi were failures, you can make this trilogy something of its own if it's not about, oh, I'm a Jedi. You're not a Jedi. The, the Jedi don't exist anymore, and that should have been a part of the movie. And particularly when you have a movie called The Last Jedi. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. But, no, you're absolutely right. And there was, um, when they destroy that planet, that's meant to be the one with, the where Kerry Russell's character's from, right? Yeah. Even there's just certain little things like that that is not explained very well, uh, and it's kind of just you. you I don't oh. like having questions. Can I cut in for a second? Go for it. Here's another big plot hole for you. Um, they say they're destroying that planet. We're going to destroy a planet that will get their attention. A planet that's important to them. So did they destroy a planet that is under first order rule? Like yeah. that's the only thing we know about the planet is there are a few people on it, and the first order is ruling the planet. Like how does that make any sense? Um, and because the Re New Republic's destroyed in the Force Awakens, right? And you you yeah. mentioned like who's ruling the galaxy? Yep, that's a good point. And the Last Jedi, like the Star Killer base, got destroyed. So a lot of the First Order got destroyed. So where are they? And then the Resistance got. So how do they rebuild? And where do they get all the things from? I still don't know how Palps built all like a thousand Star Destroyers. Like, and where, does, where does Richard E. Grant come from? Like, I will serve you like I served you back in. Where have you been? Like, what, what have you just showed up for? Hux is just stupid in this movie, which annoyed me because like, I'm the spy. Like, oh, what? Oh. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> and if you're gonna do, like, I mentioned it in the spoiler for your review. I 100% believe that this was in retaliation for Ryan Johnson dropping the ball with some of J.J. Abrams' creations. Because you could have gone with that as a story, I'm the spy, and then made that part of the movie going forward. But it's literally, I'm the spy. All right, you're dead. <laughs> it's, it's just a slap in the face. And yet, I actually believe that there's one thing. Ryan Johnson did a better job with Hux than J.J. Abrams did. But you still created that character, J.J. Like, like give the character importance. Why are you just going to kill him off like that? Can I ask quickly, because I'll forget this, Chewie getting the medal, cheap or good? Uh, I mean, it, I, I I cheered when it happened in the theater, but it's unnecessary. So yeah. I would go lo more towards cheap. No, I'd agree with that. It's it's Yeah, I definitely, when I saw it, I'm like, ah, but then you're like, uh, like, it's just kind yeah. of... Just uh, boss, that's, that's a story for another time. Oh. <laughs> Moz, what is she doing? Like, like, oh, she, she, uh, she just turned into a phasma, didn't she? Like, what was the point yeah. of her? Um, the one, uh, you, I don't know about how reactions were when you first saw it, but um, there was a like a significantly loud gasp when you heard that she was Palpatine's granddaughter in our cinema. Uh, like it was like a <gasps> like, and it wasn't like a like a silly one; it was a legit one. <laughs> like whoa somebody was really shocked uh, over that <laughs> ours was a little different like uh, when ray used the lightning 
you know, to blow up Chewie. But guess what? He's not dead. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, the sec- second viewing helps that before I forget because you do see the second ship. Because I remember when that happened and it was like, he got on another ship, he's alive. I'm like, there was only one ship there. How does that work? But second viewing, you see the second ship there. I don't know if you noticed that. No, but not that I care. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when he did that, my nephew turned to me and said, I, I figured it out. She's Palpatine's granddaughter, which he probably read a spoiler. And who knows? He was, he was saying that the whole time. And I'm like, I'm saying she's not going to be Palpatine's granddaughter. Because at this point, I'm like, the movie's doing a decent job. I'm with it. And then when they revealed you're a Palpatine, he turned to me. He's like, I knew it. I told you. And I'm like, it doesn't mean it makes sense. But you heard it's similar to like when the Ray Kylo Ren kiss happens, which uh. I mean, there's not even talk about other than the fact that again it contradicts the other movies it's it's literally just there to please a small fan base that said they wanted that but if you're going to include that make it part of the story don't just throw it on as one moment so you know you can get a couple people like jamie cheering (laughs) and (laughs) there's no relevance in the movie if you fine if you want to go that route make it part of the movie but both the palpatine reveal and that kiss you got a few people going, woo, and then you heard the other half of the theater going, aww. <laughs> like, there were just a mixture of woo and groans during both moments in my screening. The, the other one, actually, that um, they've quickly come out and explained, because I, I, it's either in the novelization of the Visual Dictionary, which I still haven't got yet, stupid Disney, yeah. um, which was, again, a terrible line. It, it actually reminded me so much of Revenge of the Sith with the, you know, oh, familiar face has returned. Qui-Gon. Like, it just kind of, it's there, and you're like, huh? That makes no sense. Is the, the Lando bit with the new woman, where it's kind oh. of like, so where are you from? Oh, let's find out. And so it has been confirmed that she is his daughter. I don't know if you read that. Well, well okay, so this, um, when I first saw it, I'm like, I hope that's not the direction they're going, but I like the idea of she has nobody and Lando's just going to take her under his wing. So it could have been interpreted either way. And then, yeah, they did come out and say, well, in a comic book coming out, it's going to be revealed that Lando lost his family to the First Order. So it's not like they're saying she is absolutely his daughter, but that, oh, she might be his daughter. But that's another thing I hate. Why does everybody have to be related in these movies? Like, we talked about that, I think, during The Last Jedi, people saying maybe Poe, or sorry, maybe Finn will be Lando's son and it's like no you don't need that and lando doesn't need it and i think it works better with him just being a new mentor because that's what his presence in this movie is that's why he gave that great pep talk to poe which is something i really like in the movie and when he comes in and just gives the pep talk he's a mentor he's in he's an obi-wan he's a yoda and that you had to make it oh well here's another character she has to have some type of importance so let's make her lando's daughter like he doesn't need that have a story where he lost people but why do you have to make her his daughter it's just it's another way of cheapening what could have been a nice moment at the end of the movie couple of things because i I know i still want to i'm sure there's other things we're still going to rant about but just really a couple of positive things that i i really appreciate a second time around too is the the finn poe ray stuff when they're all together um was actually really enjoyable um, and particularly, like, again, I, I, I still want to heat present Daisy Ridley. This is easily her best movie of the trilogy. Um, 
how much he improved. And just the, I really enjoyed Poe actually a second time around. Like a lot of his stuff is kind of yeah. pointless. Like the Kerry Russell stuff, like it's just, it feels there and whatever. But I kind of like that moment at the end when they're celebrating and he kind of gives that little like head shake as if they're like, hey, can I kiss you? And she's just like, no. And he's like, all right. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> um, like, and even like John Boyega, like I just, I really appreciate them. And again, it makes me sad that none of them got star billing across these ones. But the one that actually, I felt like, like so many people I read in their reviews, like I cried. There's so much emotional stuff, but like so much of the emotional stuff is kind of like, oh, you meant to feel emotional here. Oh, but we're gonna move on pretty quickly, so get over it. Um, the one bit though that I honestly felt a little bit like, holy crap, that hurts, is when when they're told that Leia's dead and Chewie drops to his yeah. knees. Oh yeah, that's like that because that to me is just like Chewie's lost everyone at that point. Like that yeah. sucks. That bit's like holy crap. That kicks you in the feels. So th- just I just was randomly thinking of positive things. So I just thought we might as well get two of them out of the way, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think on a second viewing, like I like the new characters. Like I think that it, it, there's a couple of when Babu Frick comes back. In the ship, when you see, you know, Carrie yeah, yeah. Russell, and then Babu Frick's there, like, okay, it's a cheap gag, but like, Babu Frick's a really amusing character, uh, yeah. especially during that three PO sequence where three PO suddenly, like, oh, uh, I am C three PO human cyber girl here, I Babu Frick, and then later on when when they mentioned Babu Frick, it's, it's like, good he's been my oldest friend. <laughs> And actually, like, I, I, I want the I really appreciated three PO just quickly. While you mentioned three PO again, like I oh, yeah. the second time around, like I did the first time, but like, yeah, you really do appreciate three PO yeah, like, in this movie. This is maybe even over. Uh, I'd say second Empire Strikes Back. This is like the best three PO has ever been. Uh, but like Carrie Russell's character, you know, I, I feel like the problem with it is she's given so much screen time in like a few scenes that she's built up to be this major character, and then it's literally just like she pops in at the end. Hey, I'm here too, and then you get that one moment at the end. Like it's just it's really weird way of introducing a character to give her such importance. And then just drop her for the entire movie. Whereas I feel like the um, the, the the other one, the the, the former stormtrooper, Lando's Lando Junior, uh, Landy, <laughs> let's call it. Landy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, there's a little bit more balance with her character because she's thrown in. She's given like a very you know small introduction. They kind of throw this thing in there, which is a really cool idea that there were more stormtroopers to turn. Why you have to make it that they're all the jedi i i don't know uh but just that there are other stormtroopers who did this you didn't have to have finn be a jedi in the end or 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 be a force sensitive or whatever which there's another plot we have to remember to get into uh before we finish but i i felt like her character played better from start to finish than carrie russell's but it's like i actually really loved carrie russell in this movie as just the disappointment of she's in you know, 10 minutes of the movie and is just dropped completely. Like, that's a character I kind of... If, if I want a spinoff from this series, if I want a Disney Plus movie or TV series, I want the, you know, Oscar Isaac, Carrie Russell series. Because I think it was such an interesting idea, and it's just dropped in the movie, but it's still great to see her. It's, all the new characters, I think they did a good job of, except for Richard E. Grant, just because, again, there's no reason for him they don't explain like is he if he were a spy of palpatine like is that what they're implying maybe elaborate on that a little bit like all these things we're saying elaborate it doesn't take that much out of the movie it's one line here or there and then you're just done but uh, you know overall i did like the new characters movie and the new environments i mean i think the dullest one is another desert planet like i still think you should have made all those sequences on carrie russell's planet 
instead yeah. of having because there are way too many planets in this movie. Like if we count them, let's not even count the ones that just make small appearances. Like Mustafar makes a small appearance in the beginning, you know. Uh, but the ones where major sequences take place. Okay, so we have the Resistance Hideout planet. We have Exegol, Emperor's planet, uh, which is a cool looking planet. We have um, the the desert planet with the 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 deadly snake uh, healing. Uh, we have the Carrie Russell planet. We have Endor, um, and then yeah, so we got five major planets in this movie. Not to and mention, Tatooine. yeah. Then we get the the ones with minor sequences like Tatooine, right. like Mustafar. Um, and even the, the one with, uh, the, where they have the first spy transmission, which while I'm on that, because I know this was the one thing I was going to keep forgetting, but it's one of my biggest complaints in the movie, uh, light speed skipping. Mm. What? <laughs> you, you uh, told me a very good point about that. Yeah. Like this is another one of those things that contradicts the original trilogy. So they introduced this is same thing with force powers. You introduce a new force power and force awakens. Kylo Ren can stop blaster bolts. That's fine. You don't have to introduce a million new ones in the next couple movies. And they did that with, you know, going into light speed while still docked uh, and or coming out of light speed in the planet's surface, which took precise calculations. You know, those are interesting ideas, but it was played as being so dangerous when you did that in the original movie, those two hyperspace moves. That this idea of light speed skipping is so absurd because you go back to a new hope. What do they say? I need to get coordinates from the Nava computer, which Solo has already told us. It is literally navigating around objects because you can't fly through it. Haldo tried that. Look what happened. If you you know don't do that, you're gonna fly right through a star or bounce too close to a supernova, and that would end your trip real quick. So what is light speed skipping? It basically says that Lightspeed is literally just flying in a direct path, and you are flying through a planet. Because when they come out of Lightspeed, they are in the middle of Bespin. I don't know if you caught that, but they're actually on Cloud City in one of those. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. come out, and they're in the middle of another planet. They come out, and they're in the middle of another planet. You've now contradicted the original movie again, because that's not how Lightspeed works. <laughs> yeah, I no, when you told me that, like it, it made complete sense. and Because... You know, they're very lucky, aren't they? Every single time they skip and they arrive on Bespin or all these other places, they're not just <laughs> crashing into something. Like, should I, I definitely know we're going to have the how it should have ended eventually come out, and it's just going to be them flying into a wall or something like that, or, you know, <laughs> blowing up. And, and also the TIE Fighters, didn't you mention? Because TIE Fighters shouldn't be yeah. out of light speed, should they? Yeah, exactly. The, the TIE Fighters in the original movie. There's the other one. Uh, this is why I said I was going to forget it. Uh, in the original movie, it followed us. No, it's a short-range fighter. A fighter that size couldn't get this deep into space on its own. TIE Fighters do not have hyperdrives i mean we saw a hyperdrive generator it is a very large thing tie fighters the smallest ships and you don't have to know all the the you know stuff from the visual dictionaries to get this because <laughs> obi-wan says it they can't go into light speed not to mention apparently they're tracking them through light speed so <laughs> it was a plot hole that we you know made a lot of fun of in the last jedi that, you know, how can you track somebody through hyperspace, even though it has happened in many Star Wars movies, Obi-Wan puts a tracking signal on Jango Fett's ship. Uh, the end of Rogue One to the beginning of A New Hope, they're tracking through hyperspace. But the last movie said you have to have a device or whatever on a lead ship, and now every single TIE fighter has these? Yeah. 
No, I mean, let, let's be honest. Episode ten, Tie Fighters are going to have planet destroying weapons. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess, like, look, I I agree with you completely, but I guess somebody will explain this as well. It's it's in the future. Technology has gotten better. Which, I, okay, sure, but explain it. Explain. Like, You're in you the just future. Need to, Explain it. I mean, we we didn't we discover between the prequels and the um the Force Awakens uh the originals that technology hadn't really gotten better. So, um, but like, can we just point out we had such a problem with fuel in the Last Jedi? Obviously, all the Resistance got a lot of fuel reserves in that one year between this movie and uh, mm-hmm. particularly when the twenty million ships show up at the end, <laughs> um, because there they all are. Um, yeah, no, it's it's. And the problem is with all these plot holes and that is that they, they come in legitimately exciting scenes, which is just annoying yeah. because this is where I think this movie is better than The Last Jedi because it's, it's a more entertaining movie and there's just all this potential. It's just, oh, it's, it's just like if you meet like a, a very attractive supermodel, you're like, oh, look at you. You're very attractive. You look great. I want to look at you. But then you get to the surface and they're kind of bland and <laughs> shit and crap. And I can say they're that about supermodels because I don't know any and I'm never going to meet any. So, you know. <laughs> Um, like, oh, I'm trying to think about, oh yeah, okay, so we gotta talk about the Finn thing. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not against the idea that Finn has Force powers. Um, I think it helps the Force Awakens a little bit because, you know, he was able to use a lightsaber. Um, I like the idea of these stormtroopers laying down their weapons, they were all connected somehow through the Force. Uh, that's fine. But... I need to tell you something, Ray. That is a huge problem. Uh, The fact that we walked out of this movie and I had Jamie and my nephews actually basically calling me an idiot because I'm like, he never explained what he wanted to tell him. Like, yes, he did. He wanted to tell her that he knew about Palpatine and so did Leia. They were 100% convinced that was what it was. And then it comes out, J.J. Abrams, not in an official interview, but at a screening, multiple people asked him that question after the screening. And he said to all these people one-on-one, Oh, he wants to tell her that he, you know, he was a force user. But that's never explained in the movie. I need to tell you something. What did you need to tell Ray? Finn, what did you need to tell me? And then they never mention it? Like, Mm. how lazy can this movie be? We're talking about five seconds of the movie. Ray, I know the force. Oh, that's what you wanted to tell me. Okay, that's it. (laughs) Just anything. But I like the idea still. Yeah, no, like, I'm with you too. Um... I I think I mentioned to you off air. I don't know if I said anything on it during our spoiler free one. Is that I I completely forgot that he had even said that in the movie that I need to tell you something, and then Mallory brought it up, and then Mallory got it. Got it. Mallory was like, "Oh, it's because he can use the force." I'm like, oh, okay, yep, 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 that makes sense. But yeah, because it, it, I'm kind of like the the potential of this with him doing it. But again, it's it's back to like the layer as a Jedi thing. I'm not opposed to it. It's just poorly executed. Um, and it's just, it just, you shouldn't be leaving this movie with more questions than you have. And, you know, JJ Abrams shouldn't feel the need to have to explain this. Um, so yeah, like it's just, it, it's, it's a strange thing. And like the Stormtrooper thing too, I liked it. We, we talked about that in The Last Jedi from memory, didn't we? That the whole Canto Bite stuff have that yeah. about like Finn and all that freeing Stormtroopers and things like that. Because like, I think everyone's in agreement that the idea of a stormtrooper defecting and kind of being good is, is a cool idea. Like that's actually mm-hmm. like a really cool idea because like as much as I talked about before about how I love the Finn, Ray and Poe stuff, Finn out of the three then probably again is just kind of wasted. 
because there's a, like the thing that really annoyed me in the second viewing is him going out to the Death Star to stand on the thing and be like Ray! Yeah. and then like mm. Ray just pushes him back. Okay. Cool. Why are you there? Um and then it's like later on when they're riding they're riding horses on a Star oh. Destroyer? What? Where um, do the horses fit? How does space work in Star Wars? Like, how are they not decompressorizing and whatever? Um, and oh, then, like, again, I mean, they were in oh, space. They are, oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, but still, uh, where the, the ship they were on was not that big. Yeah. And, like, even Richard E. Grant's character, like, let's, let's be honest, Richard E. Grant is born to play this over campy, like, Richard yeah. E. Grant would be a great Bond villain if they go full camp again. But, like, his character, like, at the end there, when he's like, oh, they're, they're going after our tower, let's be smart and transfer everything to us. And, like, the resistance, two seconds, we know what they're doing, let's go after that. Then he's like, how do they know that they're transferring it to us? <laughs> like, it's just, like, it's just dumb. Um, I don't even know what we were talking about. I want to yeah, talk cool. the horses for a second. <laughs> yeah, the um, horse. <laughs> uh, Stop putting it's... horses in Star Wars, except that sexy one in the Ewoks movie. <laughs> this is my problem. It's, it's not just an issue of how where do they fit the horses on there, or why are they riding horses on a Star Destroyer? They're launching a ground assault. They could have just landed and ran. It was just for, I got an idea for a visual. I want... <laughs> resistance fighters riding horses on top of a Star Destroyer, but not have it make any sense. They didn't know they were going to use the horses because they didn't know they were going to land. When when Finn brings up the idea, we're going to launch a ground assault on top of the Star Destroyer, they're like, what? Are you crazy? So why did they load the horses on the ship? Did they, did, like, that's just creating extra weight? There's going to be an odd smell on the ship? Like, this, it, they weren't evacuating Endor. There was no need to have the horses there, but they brought them along and then are shocked when he's like, let's ride the horses down there. It's like, they should have known he was going to do that. There's no reason for the horses to be there. And and since when did Star Destroyers just become, like, a ship that no one's scared of? Can we just, like, re- go back to A New Hope again? Like, the odds of taking on a Imperial Star Destroyer yeah. or whatever it is, and, like, that ship against a Star Destroyer? Like, like things like that. <laughs> like, now yeah. they're just, uh, oh, let's fly at their level. They won't be able to shoot us anymore. Okay. Um, well, like, they have planet-killing weapons, too. I'm sure they've got, like, they, uh, I don't know, a sensitivity they can turn down and think, we want you just to blow up. The Death Star had that. Return of the Jedi, the weapon from the Death Star, could have blown up a planet, but instead they turned it down so it would blow up just the ships. Why are these Star yeah. Destroyers not doing that? And and also, too, like, it kind of takes away the evilness of the Emperor, right? Like, he's got, what, a thousand Star Destroyers. And the whole thing about them not being able to shoot and kill these few resistance ships is, let's fly mm. to their level because they will take each other out. The Emperor <laughs> is an evil prick. Just simply go, okay, the one at the, like, couple of those ones at the back, let's fire our giant planet-killing laser, take out all the resistance ships. If I take, like, ten of my Star Destroyers out, who cares for the greater good, we're going to do this. And then we've got 20,000 of these mini-rebellion ships later on. And then, like, do all of those Star Destroyers get destroyed? And then why is, like, a couple floating down and, and... like, wh- how much are they spread across the galaxy? Because you see one flying onto Cloud City. You see one flying onto the Ewok planet again. Again, this is should be... We should be seeing more. We should be seeing Naboo. We should be seeing other ones. Just two planets. Yeah. Let's throw in a quick little Ewok cameo. Okay, cool. Um, Like, it's just... It, it's like what we talked about in Force Awakens with Jakku. Why is there all of a sudden a random Star Destroyer dead on this planet? 
Because mm-hmm. weren't all the original Imperial <laughs> Star Destroyers destroyed? They were all First Order Star Destroyers. I thought they were different. These are the yeah. new ones that are all above Vexicon or whatever Palp's planet is. They're there. They're not above Cloud City. They're not above Endor anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, completely agree. It, it, like, <laughs> Plus, they even mentioned it is extremely difficult to take off from this planet. But those yeah. other Star Destroyers had no issue. And apparently it's not hard at all to land on this planet because 100,000 ships did it with no issue. Uh, they talk about all these complicated things on Exegol, like, you know, oh, there's all these storms and there's this and this and that. And then they give us no sequence showing any of these ships struggling or maybe a couple yeah. of the Resistance ships getting taken out just trying to land. We could have had a real space battle, too, as well as a ground battle, and there just would have been endless possibilities of stuff to do. Um, plus, if we're going to feature these other ships, because they even throw a line in the end saying, you know, people are rising up all over the galaxy. Like, when did they hear that? First, they have like a two-way radio with somebody on Bespin saying, hey, now that Star Destroyer is out, we're going to start clubbing some of these, you know, First <laughs> Order officers in the head. And you're forming your final army and you're spreading yourself out across the galaxy. Again, that doesn't make sense. Just, uh, so much crap. Uh... Uh, I, I do have to talk about some of the other positive stuff here. Uh, I completely agree with you. Putting these three characters together was the right choice. This is almost the opposite of the original trilogy where you had Han, Luke, and Leia all together in the beginning, and then they slowly split them up throughout the movies. By the time of Return of the Jedi, they have almost no interactions. And in this one, they, they're barely together in the first two movies, and then you finally bring them together. Like, wow, this is magic. And you can forgive a lot of the other things. Uh, you know, I, I like the idea that this movie is a search for these different objects. It's very Indiana Jones-like. You know, we need to find the dagger. We need to find uh, the the Sith Wayfinders. But those Sith Wayfinders, that's a stupid idea, too. We Are have... you going to talk about the dagger, too, as well? The stupidness around yeah. how that lines yeah. I up said with I, what? I said I wanted to talk about the positive, so I have to remember to get oh, sorry, to sorry, sorry. So, sorry, positives. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I like the idea. Of, like, the first two thirds of the movie, I thought watching this a second time would be like, well, this is just... You know, it's just you know a, a cheap little adventure. They could have used this time to time, but it's it's a fun idea that it's like we need to find this object, and now that we found it, it's almost like a Goonies thing at some point. Um, but aside from liking those little adventures that they go on, the dagger. Um, so an ancient <laughs> Sith dagger is inscribed with the location of where to find this Sith wayfinder. This ancient Sith dagger that was built thousands of years ago somehow had the location for a Death Star that would crash at the end of the Sith Order? Like, who built this thing? Like, did they have some type of, you know, psychic powers that knew it was going to happen in the future? And when Rey eventually lines up, this isn't like the moment in the Goonies where they line up the key and you see it matches perfectly. She just sort of hovers it over the Death Star. It's like, oh, it's right there. And I watched this a second time and I'm trying to find, what is she looking at here? Like, how yeah. does she know that's where it is? It's just unnecessary. Uh, the Sith Wayfinders, okay, so... You have two objects that tell the location of the Sith homeworld or whatever, Exegol. That's kind of an interesting idea, except that this, this homeworld has no relevance in the other movies, so why they would have it. Now, they, they made it make sense that one is on Mustafar, that's Darth Vader's base, and one would have been on the Death Star with the Emperor, meaning he takes it with him everywhere. Uh, like, did he have this in his pocket in Return of the Jedi? Did he set it down next to him? Or is there some hidden shot where this is in the background? They're going to insert it now in Return of the Jedi? And if they did that, and Palpatine doesn't want this planet to be found, why is he leaving it there? Why isn't the first thing he does when he realizes he's alive or he's cloned, he's like, wait, the Wayfinder, somebody go to the Death Star and get that thing. They're going to find me. It's just, Once they have a chance two. to explain these things, they don't. 
Why why does he have two? In case he loses one? Well, I guess the idea was Vader had one and Emperor had one. So is that just like their way of going, Emperor, I don't know where you are. Just look at the wayfinder, well, young like Skywalker. <laughs> that's the other thing. They shouldn't need it because... Kylo Ren doesn't need it to get to Exegol a second time. He uses it to get to Exegol the first time. The second time, he just flies there off of memory. So why do they need to keep these things? Like, did they lose their way? Are they really bad? Like, they have a bad sense of direction? Vader and Emperor's... Oh, I forgot the way to Exegol again. Vader <laughs> just used the Wayfinder. <laughs> I need to, when we watch Return of the Jedi next time, is... So, to the left of the throne room, there's a vault now, apparently, that's there um i like don't get me wrong i like the idea of going through the ruins of the death star like i kind of like it when she arrives and there's like stormtrooper helmets littered around like it's a cool visual on the planet and all that sort of stuff it's cool but it's just it that planet got obliterated this is back when special effects turned things into sparks and where where how did that chair survive that explosion (laughs) yeah just um are they going to re-edit the explosion of the second death star now to see things like floating down how many like innocent people were killed by falling debris of um of the (laughs) death star like there's a plot down there (laughs) like little jimmy was killed i hate the rebellion because you blew up the death star and now got killed by a flying stormtrooper helmet and where, where are the skeletons in those stormtrooper helmets? Like, does the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I thought that bones were more stable than plastic. Like those stormtrooper stormtrooper armor sucks. They get killed by rocks. How have they survived thirty years in the salt sea? Like the Titanic is whittling away because it's all under the pressure of the salt ocean after a hundred years. These are plastic helmets that get destroyed by rocks. Uh, I mean, we're going to have to wrap this up at some point. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> um, we will rant on forever here. <laughs> oh, we got since, Noah as well. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, since uh, <laughs> Noah couldn't be here today, you know, because he has no gratitude to somebody paying for his admission and <laughs> us waiting a week to rant about this movie, uh, I guess he just had a pre-recorded comments he had to give. So you want to set this up? Yeah, well, uh, you heard a little bit at the beginning just before we started, but... Um... We we were going to do the whole, like, don't say anything, get in the car and record, but it was a stinking fucking hot day and our car was very hot. So we drove home and then sat down for about uh, 10 minutes and recorded some thoughts. And I think you'll hear uh, us kind of saying a lot of things here about, like, oh, well, you might be already in the episode. You might have already heard Noah's thoughts or blah, 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 blah. But, it's but yeah, here's some thoughts of Noah at the time and at least how my thoughts were thinking of that day and have probably changed slightly until today. Okay, well... You've been listening to the spoiler review of The Rise of Skywalker. I'm assuming it's all three of us, but if for some reason it's not, Noah's with me now. (laughs) Hello, Noah. Hello. Either we're sick of hearing your voice for the last however long, or this is a surprise. (laughs) We have just returned from The Rise of Skywalker. We've had a chat in the car for a little bit, but now we can have a chat about more things. Tell us your thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker. It was better than The Last Jedi. Um, and when I left The Last Jedi, I was much much more enraged. But I would say confusion is the best word this time around. I legitimately think that is everyone's reaction to this film because that was exactly Mallory and I's reaction last week. Colin straight away was like, oh, I don't know how I need to process this movie. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm interested that this is actually the, the common reaction on this film. It's like, I don't know what to think of this movie. 
I do think it's a sad day when The Force Awakens is the best of the new because I remember distinctly talking about, well, this is only the first one. It's just going to get better and more epic from here because I was not huge on that at the time. So I thought, well, give it a few years. It will get better. Yeah, that's the best of the of the three. Um, but yeah, it was just there was too much to cover in this last film to make it based on where the last two films left this. There was no way they could wrap everything up. Really quick question because I don't know if this is something we've talked and we probably will get to it eventually in the spoiler episode. But right now, if you had to say sequel or prequel trilogy, which one was better? Prequel. Good boy. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're really like, I know Colin and I have turned into real prequel defenders, but you've not been around with us for a long time to be able to talk whether or not you're in that club or not. But I, I thought that would be an interesting question to find an answer. And there we go. Well, I mean, I like the original the best. Well, I, I would assume the originals is always everyone's number one. Even it's our number one still, even if we do defend the prequels. But yeah, I just, I, I, I find a few people still bag on the prequels, even though some people are starting to come around in them, I think. My brother did say the other day, he has already seen this film, but he didn't tell me anything, that he doesn't consider the sequels canon and that it's like fan fiction. And actually, I do tend to agree with him. I think it kind of ends with The Return of the Jedi. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the difference is with this trilogy is that it's there's so much stuff that ends up just rinse, repeat, recycle. It's it, like it doesn't really bring anything that new to it. So I think if you do end it with the Return of the Jedi and just ignore these, you're not like what what are we gaining from these sequel trilogy? The, the sequel trilogy. Well, it will be these sequel trilogies, I'm sure. Um, yeah, not a whole lot, and even bringing. Uh, Palpatine back into it that is a way of tying the nine movies together and I'm I'm not against you know figuring a way of tying it all together but honestly I do feel like there is some stuff you can gain from the prequels but you're right if someone never saw these three or five I guess four whatever if never saw any of these Disney films you're not missing even the Solo or Rogue One which They've got their pros, but both of them are completely pointless films in the grand scheme of things as well. So, yeah, I tend to agree. There's not really much in this worth exploring. What was your favourite moment in this movie? The Porgs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You did say beforehand, you want the Porgs. When you said that, I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know because there was nothing in this like even The Force Awakens had Han Solo's death and whatnot. There was nothing really Oh my god, that's so exciting in the movie. I'm just trying to think like What was your reaction to Palpatine reveal that that's Ray's grandfather? I don't think it's the worst twist ever because it I did actually like how at the end you had a Skywalker and a Palpatine and even though it was a bit silly with his magic, I do think those two together would be two of the most powerful people. So I don't actually hate the twist in theory, but in execution, there's a lot of holes in it. But like, for one, Palpatine getting it on. <laughs> and the whole reveal that Leia knew the whole time. Yeah. So there's so many issues with it, but in theory... Rather than, oh, your parents are nobody, I actually don't think it's the worst twist ever. Uh, What do you think, in theory, on it? 
yeah, look, I've always been one of these ones that I was disappointed in The Last Jedi that it was seemingly nobody, but I got to terms with it over the last couple of years. Like, I kind of didn't bother me then as much. Um, but at the same time, I like the fact that she does have some connection. Because if she had it ultimately been nobody, how it doesn't explain anything why she's just so good at everything, you know what I mean? And that's what's always annoyed me with Ray. So... Yeah, it's it's. I'm fine with it. Like, it, it probably in the grand scheme, like what you said, like it's good that we have a Palpatine verse and a Skywalker at the end. Like, that's cool because like if it, she had been a Kenobi, like that probably <laughs> would have made less sense. Yeah. Um, even though you know you're probably it's more believable that Obi Wan's getting it on than Palpatine. I think, I think the the issue with this movie is that it's left itself so wide open with so many elements of it that. Clearly, that's Disney's way of, oh, cool, but we can explain this in The Mandalorian or we can explain this in, you know, this side movie. Yeah, so that's where there's issues. And, okay, again, oh, it's exciting because we're going to get more Star Wars content. But Mm. I also think we've had this trilogy in, what, five, four years. We had the prequel trilogy over six years. Um, I mean, the original trilogy was over, like, about six years as well, wasn't it? I feel like we've just had so much Star Wars in the last because we obviously had Rogue One and Solo in those gap years. So... As much as we all love Star Wars, I feel one thing that this whole Disney acquisition has taught us is that Star Wars doesn't work yearly. Star Wars is something that you should be... Yeah, Star Wars isn't... This isn't Marvel. This isn't something where you get a couple every year. Like, this is something... uh, Yeah, an event. That's perfect. Because, like, we were there for The Force Awakens. That was exciting to build up for that. That was great. You know, Last Jedi, we were excited for it. Of course we were, but then that kind of soured our taste for it. And this, don't, <laughs> give, don't, don't get us wrong, this was exciting, but like, I just don't think it felt the same, did it? Uh, it didn't feel the same at all, and not just because of the midday, not midnight. It just, <laughs> it just, because there's so much content and because it lost faith in it a little bit or a lot bit, yeah, it doesn't feel like an event anymore. It, and I even said just as it was about to start, like, oh, this is weird, I'm about to see a new Star Wars movie. One thing I've got to find out from you as a Lost fan, Dominic Monaghan, wasn't he a waste? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, him and the other dude, just purely J.J. Abrams' friends, and there they are. But We've had Miles, we've had the pilot, and we've had um, Charlie from Lost. Yeah. I'm sure there's been others too, right? haven't there? Yeah, I'm just, I've just had a... <laughs> this is a bit off-topic, but I've just had a brainwave and I wonder your opinion on this. One way of tying the nine films together would be maybe, it would definitely be reckoning, but let's face it, Shmee uh, <laughs> and Anakin, he was not immaculately conceived, but I think it could be a good, it would be reckoning, but a plot twist for the, the nine films wrapped up is that Palpatine reveals that he actually, mm. he didn't get it on with Shmi, but he used his... Well, that was a long rumour, wasn't it, for a while that he had... Wasn't that like a theory for ages that through um, oh, Plagueis, Dark, Dark, mm. Dark Plagueis, that they had impregnated Shmi to create Anakin? Yeah, well, that would be a good twist that somehow Palpatine did it, but then he kind of says in this film, oh, but I... I messed up with Anakin Skywalker, so I tried again, and that's you, Ray, and that Ray doesn't have a dad either. Well, because that would then make because I think the issue that this film creates is kind of again, it's it's that first six film arc is it's the story of Anakin, and like this story just kind of takes everything away from those six because it all ends up ultimately being on Ray, and it's kind of well, you know, the whole thing about Anakin's point was he was to bring balance and 
you know, the chosen one, well, what was the point of all that? If just at the end of the day, it's just, oh, well, you know, Palpatine got horny and had a son and a daughter. Which one even is his kid? Like, does that, I don't even think that's explained. Is is the dad or the the mum is Palpatine's offspring? Both. (laughs) Well, it is Star Wars, so... But yeah, like that's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's odd. And like you said it in the car and this is one thing too that I definitely took away from it is like the title of this movie only comes in like the last, literally the last line of this whole movie, um, which, uh, yeah. Look, I, 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 I think this movie does get better on a second viewing and like not, I, I, don't know, I know we said that during The Last Jedi, but like this legitimately I think improves a lot more on the second viewing um, because you know like yeah the first viewing you just you're trying to compute what you saw and you're trying to like what well hey like what what do i feel about this movie whereas now you if you know you know what to expect i guess but um yeah do do you think this would have worked better i i feel again thanks ryan johnson for ruining it um (laughs) no like if snoke i think the two ways to make this trilogy better snoke doesn't get killed off and he's the ultimate big bad over all three or kylo ren is the big bad in the third and palpatine like palpatine is just shoehorned in yeah and i think i saw an inter- i do like by the way that the last jedi was already terrible and it's actually then ruined this movie as well <laughs> um <laughs> yeah palpatine and i saw an interview with jj abrams where he said well the trilogies have to connect and that's why palpatine is back but it's just they don't even explain how he survived and it takes away from vader's death and everything um i i was saying that i'm not against him being in it but perhaps he should have been in the middle film Mm. and is either killed and kylo ren takes over or he gets super powerful and in the last film it's just doesn't matter if you're a first order. It doesn't matter if you're a Jedi. We're all joining together to take him down because he will destroy the universe. Yeah. No. It's yeah. I agree with that. I think we're going to be. We've probably talked a lot about all this in this episode, so we're not going to sit here for an hour and talk about this. Just a quick little thing. But um, I think right now we're probably going to snip it into our buy it, rent it, bin it. Be a couple of days after this. Any? Do you want to give any quick little thoughts on this, or do you want to wait until the next bit when we're about to hear? I mean. I- I don't know if I'll be there or not. Um, I, I I do want to say that I didn't hate it. I, but there was it was just a lot of confusion. And you asked what my favourite moment was. There wasn't really any moments, but I didn't hate. I wasn't sitting there in the light, the last Jedi, where I was angry the whole time. <laughs> um, so. At this moment, obviously, it only been an hour or so. I would say I probably rent it. I don't hate the film, but and I do put a lot of the Last Jedi blame on it. Um, I would be interested. I mean, I don't want to spoil it if you're going to do this, but just a vague where you would rank this. Obviously, you haven't thought about it a lot, but out of the ten or so films, vaguely, is it bottom? Uh, well, we're going to do this, but just right now, um, like I did sort of do this loosely after the first time I saw it and then just thinking about this now and then I'll give a final one in a moment. But loosely right now, I'm still sitting towards this is probably second or third worst. So I Last Jedi is definitely below it and it, Rogue One potentially is. Um, it's maybe improved on this second viewing enough that I'd put it ahead of Rogue One. But um, to me, Force Awakens is still a better film. Uh, Solo, to me, is still a better film. And the other six are easily ahead of it. Um, I, uh, where would you roughly put it right now? Yeah, definitely bottom four. Um, Last Jedi is the worst. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Solo fan. and Much prefer Lift? 
<laughs> and uh, I'm also not a big fan of The Phantom Menace, but yeah, it's no way it's one of the top ones. Um, and I guess to tie it back together, it's I remember saying to you, well, it's only going to get better from here, but The Force Awakens, unfortunately, is the shining moment of the Disney sequel trilogy. I, I still stand by right now, and I'm sure I'm going to agree with myself in a moment, that The Mandalorian's the best thing Disney has done so far of all the Star Wars. I wish the storylines and everything that we're getting in The Mandalorian was the sequel trilogy, because I think that would make it, you know, it's different and unique. And Anyway, but um, Noah, thank you for joining us here. Whether you've been on this whole episode or not, we're, I'm sure we know by now you're listening to this. Uh, if you are, let's go back to us right now. If not, uh, say something funny to end it with, and we'll edit this out if you're on the episode anyway. Thank you, and I'll see you back in Hobart for episode 10 of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, which brings us, I guess, to our final rankings as well. Um, the final order. <laughs> the final rankings. Uh, <laughs> let's get to Noah's first, since he's too much of a dick to join us. <laughs> oh, what stupid which, he rankings, He sent us his Noah. rankings. I mean, I haven't heard... Oh, sorry, I just heard his thoughts, but I've already forgotten. Um... Uh, well, you just you get into it, and then I'll kind of give my comment. Well, I think kind of he was alluding like he just didn't know how he felt and everything and where he would rank things. But, um, yeah, he sent us these rankings, and he actually put this higher than I thought he was going to. Because I don't think, like, the, the thing with Noah, as you heard, is he, he was very much like all of us. Like, we just didn't know what to feel when you first see this movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he sent us rankings. Do we want to do this, like, just... Like, we just go 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and, like, we just kind of say what we've all got at each one, because I think that would be fun, and we can include uh, Noah's well, you do, like, all of Noah's, and then all of mine, and all of yours? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, like, so, like, we'll all say, like, so at number 11, Noah has this movie, you say what you have, and then I say what I have, and then we just kind okay, of Okay, yeah, up. let's let's go. Okay. All right, so, at number 11, uh, Noah has The Last Jedi. <sighs> um... Oh. You're thinking about it. I, I said in the last episode, <laughs> I was torn between whether I like this movie slightly more than Last Jedi or slightly worse. And don't get me wrong, as much as we've ranted in this, uh, you know, I enjoy this movie more than Last Jedi, but I think we, uh -oh. we have to rank it more than just on overall enjoyment. Mm. With the story. Are you like, hmm, hmm? Oh, sorry, you, you cut out there. I was just kind of thinking you were pausing oh, okay. for dramatic effect. Sorry. No, uh, <laughs> I just keep hearing, hmm? Hmm? <laughs> um, I'm being Yoda. <laughs> I feel like there are more issues with the story in this, and I feel like this is kind of going back to our spoiler-free review where, you know, you were saying, like, you feel bad that J.J. Abrams was having to follow up The Last Jedi or fix those issues. And I said, well, I feel bad that Ryan Johnson had to follow up The Force Awakens where the ending was made so that he couldn't tell a story. And I completely agree with what you said. One of the issues with The Rise of Skywalker is that there isn't a proper second chapter to follow up on. But let's throw the blame back to not J.J. Abrams. Well, let's say J.J. Abrams, but also Kathleen Kennedy, who didn't set up a trilogy from beginning to end. There was no way you could have done a proper second chapter with the way the end of The Force Awakens is. You had to pick it up five seconds later. So, and that's one of the problems with the, the Last Jedi. So I think at the end, I mean, I, I really feel like we said it, The Last Jedi's ending would have been a more appropriate ending for the series. I, I feel like there's more entertainment in Rise of Skywalker. But honestly, based on all the issues with the story, I'm going to rank Rise of Skywalker last. Wow. Was not expecting that. Wow. I'm Whoa. shocked. 
Um, I have Last Jedi at eleven. Um, I just I just feel that in five years' time, when we watch Episode Ten or whatever it is, and we're rewatching these again, is that I'm always going to dread watching the Last Jedi because to me, I'm always just like it's just frustratingly frustrating, and I just think that at least the at least the Rise of Skywalker is entertaining to me that I could just put it on and yes, get frustrated at it, but at least I'm not bored in it. And at least I kind of enjoy it. Everything else outside of all the ridiculous stories and plots of it. It's, it's kind of the die another day to me where it's just, it's just, it can, it's going to turn into cheap popcorn fun to me, even though I know it's admittedly a bad movie. Now that you said it's the die another day, you solidified my ranking of Rise of Skywalker (laughs) being last. I completely agree with you. You didn't put die another day last. Um, so number 10, I have The Rise of Skywalker at number 10. Uh, to me, I was tossing it up between that and Rogue One. Um, but look, as as overrated as I think Rogue One is, I still think that the last half hour, 45 minutes is just so good. Um, Noah has Solo at number 10. We've never really heard Noah talk about Solo before, but that's, wow, that's very low for Solo. Yeah, uh, my number 10 then will be The Last Jedi. Uh, I think it's just <laughs> kind of sad. that, like, If you had asked people who grew up knowing me, or even five years ago, is there any scenario where you are not going to absolutely love a Star Wars movie? Every single person who know, knew me would have said you're 100% insane. And here we are, two back-to-back Star Wars movies that were quite disappointing. But yeah, these two are, I think, easily the, the lowest of the low. What do you have at number nine? Um, My number nine, okay, so this was tough because... Uh, I, I do feel like when we went through the um, the the spinoff movies, uh, Rogue One decreased a little bit for me and Solo increased a little bit. Um, I feel like this is the one that could flip later on, you know, once I rewatch it again. But for now, I'm going to put Rogue One as number nine just because the more you watch it, the more it becomes evident the struggles with production and how you had two movies happening at once and they just sort of pieced it together. I agree with you. I have Rogue One at number nine. Um, yeah, I, I, as I said a second ago, I just, this movie is just pretty rubbish until, well, not rubbish, it's just, it's just bland until you get to the final bit of the movie and I just, I, I just, I've always said it's overrated. So, yeah. Uh, Noah is the idiot. He has the Phantom Menace at number nine. Like, come on, this is, and again, there are issues with The Phantom Menace, but if you want to compare that to a movie that hasn't come up yet, Noah, like, I challenge you to come on this, I will pay for your admission to No Time to Die if you come on to defend how The Rise of Skywalker is somehow better than The Phantom Menace. At least a Phantom Menace, no matter what you say about The Phantom Menace, it feels like a Star Wars movie. (laughs) And it has a story that makes sense. And it has Jewel of the Fates in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, number eight. Well, Noah has The Rise of Skywalker at number eight. I'll jump in there and say that. So he's got that, the highest out of all of us. Uh, I'm going to give the... the benefit of the doubt, though, of what you said. Like, you're not sure how you feel about it. But I was pretty certain when I walked out of this that I, I would have ranked this in the bottom two regardless. Yeah, no, same. I, I mean, well, bottom three, I was, as I said, it was kind of between this and Rogue One. But, um, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, I had The Force Awakens at number eight. It's funny, Noah and I constantly talked about how who would have thought uh, four years ago that The Force Awakens would end up being the best of the whole thing because how excited we were. They're like, oh, the, the possibilities of The Force, where's this going to go? And 
here we are. And I was never huge on The Force yeah. Awakens, but um, yeah, that that to me is the best of the sequel trilogy. Um, and yeah, again, similar to Rogue One, I think it's a bit overrated. People talk it up like it's this brilliant film. It's entertaining, uh, but it's got a lot of problems that people, I think, glare over. So um, yeah, The Force Awakens is number eight for me. Uh, I'm going to put Solo at eight, um, which again is no knock because like, I feel, well, we already know you've got it a little bit higher than that, but uh, this is a movie that gets better every single time you watch it. This is, I think, the opposite of Rogue One that slightly decreases, slightly increases. And if you would have asked me coming out of Solo the first time where I would have ranked it, I would have ranked it probably exactly where Noah did. But uh, it just it improves so much each time you see it. And it just it gets me excited, kind of like you were saying with The Force Awakens. But, uh, you know, for now, I'm going to put it, you know, at eight. But we'll we'll revisit this in a year. <laughs> and you, at number seven, I'm guessing, do you have Force Awakens at seven? Yeah, I'm putting Force Awakens at seven, which, you know, the, the, again, there's going to be people saying, well, what about the Phantom Menace or whatever? But, like, Force Awakens, it didn't live up to its potential in the end, whereas I think you also have to look at the stories you started and where it went from there. And The Last Jedi improved The Force Awakens in some ways, we said, because of The Last Jedi was kind of garbage. But when you see that they made no effort to go anywhere from what they started with the force awakens, like I don't think you can go back on the force awakens and enjoy it as much. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've got solo at seven. So you and I both have all the Disney movies at the bottom. <laughs> and our, our only differences <laughs> is that our, we flipped rise of Skywalker and last Jedi and we flipped solo in force awakens. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, look, I agree with what you said about solo. It gets better every time. And, um, yeah, I, I just really enjoy Solo. It's just, and it's, it feels very unique and kind of, it's just its own little beast. And um, yeah, I like it. I, I really enjoy Solo. So yeah, I, I've got that at seven. Noah has got Rogue One at number seven. So um, there you go. Uh, number six, Noah has The Force Awakens. I'll just put that out there. I'm Noah and I like The Force Awakens. That's his thoughts. <laughs> um, I have The Phantom Menace at number six. Um, Same. Cool. <laughs> I think like, look, we're prequel defenders. We own it. They they just age well, and we love them. Um, but it, yeah, I think I want to throw something else out there too. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. It's an entertaining movie. We said, oh, it's enjoyable. But can you think of one sequence in the Rise of Skywalker where you're like, what an incredible scene? Like the biggest haters of the Phantom Menace would be like, the lightsaber battle is incredible. The pod race is incredible. You can't say that about Rise of Skywalker. There is no one sequence. It's just like, oh, it blew my mind. Even the last Jedi had what, yeah. like the holdo maneuver, um, a couple of things. Well, maybe one thing, but like, yeah, like you're right. Like, and also, Phantom Menace has arguably one of the greatest pieces of music in the history of of movies mm-hmm. in Jewel of the Fates. What does Rise of Skywalker? Like, what are any of the sequel trilogy? I mean, do we even hear Kylo's theme in the Rise of Skywalker? Um, I think they open with it and then never do it again. Oh, that's right, when he's doing the body slams on Mustafar, which is really... <laughs> um, it reminds me of like, the WWE or something. Yeah, look, yeah, The Phantom Menace, look, just entertaining. Uh, the worst of the prequels to me, a lot of people obviously are going to say Attack of the Clones is the worst, but I think we're not only are we the prequel defenders, we are the podcast that tries to sell that Attack of the Clones is incredibly underrated. So, um, yeah. particularly with one of our opinions when it comes to Attack of the Clones, um <laughs> Speaking of Attack of the Clones, at number five, I have Attack of the Clones. Um, any movie that talks about sand being coarse, rough, and irritating deserves to be in the top five. But again, as I just said, it's underrated. It gets better every time you watch it. Um, people often say it's the worst Star Wars. I watched the rankings recently. 
and you know they were ranking the Ewoks movies and and um, the Clone Wars movies, and they had Attack of the Clones last. So no. just shut up, all right? It's it's no. a, <laughs> underrated. <laughs> it's pure entertainment. Um, it's not my my number five. And this is where some people are going to hate me because I'm going to put Return of the Jedi number five. Uh, I went through many of my complaints on the Return of the Jedi episode that I feel like outside of you know the final stuff with vader and luke and the emperor everything else in that movie is just you know oh let's have another death star let's have a battle on the planet let's have a rescue in jabba's palace and then the entire middle section of that movie on endor just doesn't work at all the 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 over overly long cheap gags with the ewoks and again this is no knock against it if i were to rank my all-time favorite movies Return of the Jedi is probably my number five all-time favorite movie. It's just, I for entertainment value, I see more value in Attack of the Clones. Uh, number five, Noah Groves has Revenge of the Fucking Sith. Um, Too low. Just, Noah! Like, I like Attack of the Clones, but it's not a better movie than Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Um, and number four, uh, Noah has Attack of the Clones. <laughs> like the, the only person in the world who has Attack of the Clones in their top four favorite Star Wars movies. Um, I am, I'm the one who probably gets the shit here because I have a new hope at number four. Again, I, the top four uh, are basically four of my favorite movies as well, but well, I, I have think... Attack of the Clones at number four too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry, no. it's, sorry, it's, Colin. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's exactly what I said, you know, when I was talking about Return of the Jedi, I think the difference is Attack of the Clones is pure entertainment and there are still some strong moments. I love Everything on Geonosis at the end, it's the opposite of Rise of Skywalker. The more the movie progresses, the better it gets. And it's just visually it's fantastic. It's a completely different idea. And it's fun to watch, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan together. And and even the love story stuff, like it's it's cheap, mm. but it's better than what you get in a lot of other movies. You're haunted by the plot line that everyone hates. <laughs> um, I hate them. I hate the people who hate all the- and just quickly, because we haven't mentioned it, it's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. There we go, the last one for 2019. Um, yeah, New Hope, just, look, it's nothing bad to say about A New Hope. I just like the other three more. That's that's as pure as it comes down to. Um, number three, Return of the Jedi. That used to be my number one going into this rewatch. But uh, I've always been a staunch defender of it. I enjoy every part of it. I love the Ewoks. Um, I just, I've just always, I just... Never really fully put a huge picture on it, but I, also the ending stuff is fantastic. I just love the the Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader stuff, and just the redemption and the Empress. It's so good, so good. Uh, and I'll just quickly say that Noah also has Return of the Jedi at number three. Uh, and my number three, Revenge of the Sith, used to be my number one. Uh, and no knock against uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, you know, because again, if I'm going through my all-time favorite movies, it's still probably my third. That's how big of a Star Wars fan I am. Still probably my third favorite movie of all time. But uh, I just feel like the the other two are just stronger overall. The more you watch it, but uh, it's still pretty close to a perfect movie, if not all around a perfect movie and it, and the perfect ending to a series that's a daring end to a series it is not let's give the fans whatever they want even though they don't know best let's do something that nobody's going to expect let's make it the most unique ending to a series ever and somehow not have you ending it like you're, you're on a downer note number two i believe we're all going to have the same movie uh empire strikes back <laughs> wow which yeah. nothing more needs to be said. I mean, many people will <laughs> rank it as the greatest Star Wars movie of all time, and you can't disagree with that. Um, but it's only number two for us. Yeah, and I believe you and Nora are going to have the same number one, because my number one is Revenge of the Sith. This changed. I just fall in love with this movie 
every single time I see it. Um, oh, what more can I say? I, just, I love, I love it so much. I love it, love it, love it so much. And just the the, the fall of the Jedi, just the, the battle between Obi Wan and Anakin, the, the the closing moments of like Darth Vader coming up, Padme's death is kind of cheesy, but still, it's Natalie's dying. Um, and just oh. I can watch that movie every day of the week. Just love it. And I yeah. surprise myself that this is now my number one Star Wars movie. And, and again, like I said, you're not alone. I mean, a lot, when that movie came out, a lot of people would say, oh, it's the best of the prequels. But it seems like in the last couple of years, like I mentioned on our Revenge of the Sith episode, I think it was Billy Garcia, you know, he said it was his favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Uh, it, my nephews, you could say, oh, well, they grew up watching the prequels. Well, they actually didn't. They were introduced to all these movies at the same time. And uh, if you were to ask them what their second and third favorite movies are, they're probably picking original trilogy ones. But almost every single one of them, when I ask, they're like, probably Revenge of the Sith. Mm. And so Noah has a, a new hope. hope at number one, and you've got a new yeah. yeah. That was always going to be your number one, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we 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 just came off of our <laughs> top 50 movie and TV shows of all time, where A New Hope was my number one of all time. So pretty predictable. There you go. Um, that's right. And just, are we going to, do we have a final buy it, bin it, rent it now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you go it's first. It's so hard. <laughs> like, this movie is so bin worthy, but like, it's still entertaining. I, I feel like, it, okay, I'm going to give it, as a Star Wars movie, as the end of the Star Wars saga, this is an easy bin. But as just a movie on its own, I think it's a rent. It's not a high rent, but it's a rent. I'm sticking to rent, um, low rent, just because again, I it did improve in the second time around, and as I said, it's just kind of like it's popcorn fun, and I think yeah, you summed it up as a movie, it's entertaining, but it's it's just so frustrating that this is a Star Wars movie. So um, look, I low rented the Last Jedi and ended up bidding that when we recapped it. Who knows whenever we eventually recap this fully. It probably, who knows what it will turn into, but I'm sticking with a, a very low rent for the rise of Skywalker. All right. Which brings us to the end. Um, this is the end. <laughs> yeah, the, the the end of the Skywalker saga, uh, the end of the Oz Network. Uh, <laughs> We're being cancelled. Yes. Broke, it broke <laughs> us, people. <laughs> um, but we got exciting stuff coming up in the new year. Uh, we could tease, I guess, a little bit of it, because uh, this is going to be our last original episode outside of, we got our best ofs coming out, right? Yeah, the, the outside, the best ofs are coming out, like, in the coming days. Uh, I think one already came out today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have the best of, and then two parts of the best of the decade, and then that's it, then we're into 2020. Yeah, and when we start 2020, we had mentioned this in the past episode, we got a brand new show we're covering from the beginning, which is Total Drama Island, an animated parody of, uh, Animated! animated parody of uh survivor and other type of reality shows uh we've already started recording episodes we're not 100 percent sure it's either going to be up within you know uh, uh the first week of january the second week of january but stay tuned for that and then as far as our movies go we don't really have any massive projects like star wars coming up next year I mean, we have the regular things like uh bad movie month and anniversary month uh we have a russo month coming up but um as far as like massive projects, you know, we did Spider-Man one year. We did all the Spider-Man movies. We did all the Jurassic Parks, all the Mission Impossibles. We did all the Star Wars this year. We just sort of have mini months coming up. Like, obviously, we don't have a full month for Ghostbusters. We don't have a full month for Bill and Ted. We don't have a full month for Top Gun. We only have a single week. But 
those are some of the the big movies we're going to be covering. Uh, Kong versus Godzilla. As long as that yep. movie's on track to still be released in March, we'll be doing that. Um, and uh, I don't know what else we have. Uh, well, what am I missing? We we kick off with Survivor Month. Uh, just kind of a bit of a celebratory munch. But um, we, I, I believe we're posting this graphic in a couple of days so we can tease it, I guess. Uh, as you said, Kong vs. Godzilla will have Oscar month uh, coming up as usual. Um, we, we're doing... Because obviously we do our own separate James Bond podcasts, download 007. Well, obviously a lot of our coverage for No Time to Die will be over there. But we're just going to look at a few sort of parody Bond films. I think we're doing three, not four in that month from memory. Um, but yeah, uh, we're, are we going to go over the, the few DC ones we haven't done in the lead up to oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Wonder Woman 2? So we'll do, um, Aquaman, Shazam, um, what else have we missed in there? Justice League and Justice League. <laughs> Birds of Birds Prey of or whatever. Yep. Um, Top Gun we'll do, um, as well as, I'm just looking at a list here. I do have it in front of me. Um, oh, the one I'm looking forward to outside of Rene Russo month. Uh, and our regulars, as you said, bad movie month and anniversary month, is we're doing our very first Australia vs. Canada month, Colin. Yes. Which is basically how that's going to work is I've chosen two Australian movies, Colin's chosen two Canadian movies, and we're just going to alternate between them across that month and have a lot of fun parroting or talking about our variety of different cultures and how we make movies. How we make movies, <laughs> me and Ben. Because, <laughs> yes, I've chosen Kill Phil 1 and 2 again, and I want to see these... <laughs> Batman movies that you did or whatever they were. <laughs> um, so as always, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, boycott Noah Groves for not being on the episode and stealing Ben's money. <laughs> <laughs> and we will join you for our best ofs and then uh, a whole bunch of new stuff in the new year, starting with, I guess, Survivor Month. Uh, so until next time, my name is Colin and Star Wars is dead to me. <laughs> And my name is Ben, and in the event I don't make it back, I want you to know you've been a real great franchise, Star Wars. The best one, in fact. Really? (laughs) No. Bring on James Bond! (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.